Welcome to another edition of the official Elastic FM podcast called Sparach Talk. Now, for this and future episodes of our podcast, we've chosen to switch tact and have more involvement from a broader selection of genuine fans. Whilst we will have some of the same panellists each month, we will also have special guests. This might include former managers and players, as well as professionals around the edge of the game, sports psychologists, nutritionists and fitness experts to gain their insight into how Chesterfield Football Club, our beloved Spyrites, might navigate the troubled times and get back to where we belong in the Football League. So, without further ado, let's get straight into November 2020's episode and introduce my guest for this month's edition of Spyrites Talk from Elastic FM. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me on the Elastic FM podcast. We call it Spyrites Talk. This is the first edition that we've had where we've got some long-standing fans. So the first thing I want to do is to make sure our audience, which is primarily made up of Chesterfield supporters, understands who we've got on the call today. So I'm going to start with you, uh, John John Stevenson. Tell us a bit about yourself, your career, your background, um, how long you've been watching Chesterfield and what you know about football. Right. Um, good evening, all. I have been going to Chesterfield for exactly 50 years. Um, uh, from an eight-year-old, that gives away my age. Um, uh, what I know about football is I played for 30, 35 years at a reasonable level. Um, post that, uh, got into the coaching side, actually, um, via Nicky Law, of all people, uh, through encouraged me to learn more about the coaching side of the game, and then did the relevant badges to support that. Um, having a huge interest in football, I also decided to study player performance uh, and analytics. So did a master's in that at Salford Uni and have since gone on to scout formally for Rotherham United and just into my third season at Sheffield United. And last year, I also was asked to do player performance and um, scouting for England C for Paul Fairclough. Wow. I feel very privileged. I, did, I knew about your coaching uh, qualifications, John, um, but I didn't know the extent to which you've just shared with us. So I think that's kind of very impressive that you are engaged by other clubs doing scouting. So to have someone yes. with your insight and as a spyrite, is, uh, is very useful. I'm going to move on now to then Alan Wilkinson, the voice of Chesterfield Football Club. I think some people would argue, although there's probably a few that might want to think they can rival you on that, Alan. Um, for the benefit of those that don't know you, I'm sure most do, but tell us about, about yourself, your uh, background, what you do for a living, as well as obviously being the voice of the spyrites on Elastic FM commentary. Yeah, for those of you that don't know me, I'm actually working in a care home now full-time. I'm off at the moment. I'm isolating till tomorrow. I'm free <clears> from tomorrow. My first game, 1963, Spar- sat in the wings down with my granddad. Sparrow's no Bradford, Bradford Park Avenue 2. And the guy that scored one of the goals, my granddad said, he will play for England. I said, no, he won't. And he did. It was Kevin Hector. So, uh, you know, I grew up in the mid-60s. Remember, 69-70 winning team. Bernie Moss, Kevin Randall, that legendary team. Seen some good days, seen some bad days, seen some awful days. And at the moment, it's frustrating. But yeah, I do the comment. I did commentary for BKFM for five and a half years. Then uh, sort of fell out of love with it and came back to do uh, 
uh, updates on Elastic FM last year. This year, obviously, in full commentary with, in conjunction with uh, Elastic FM and, and Nick Johnson at the football club. Every game I went away. So I, I played football to a decent level till 1970. Uh, I trained at Leicester for two months once from New <laughs> And he told me as a keeper, I'd never be tall enough. So uh, when I got injured in 1970, I had a club foot. Arthritis set in at the end of my sporting career. I did actually referee for a short time, up to class three, the 15-year-old. But now I'm just the voice of commentary and I enjoy football. Probably not for the last five years, but still enjoy my football. I'm a spa right through and through. Thank you, Alan. And um, definitely very affectionately thought of, I think, um, judging by the comments I see about you in the group, by most Chesterfield supporters for your very honest and forthright views, but also the fact you don't try and commentate with a, a neutral accent. I think people love you for that. Um, last but by no means least, uh, someone I've known for a, for a good uh, several years. I know he's a massive spy, right? Also a local businessman. Chris, tell us about, about your business, yourself, your football in prowess. I don't know where to start now, Dave, after I've listened to John and Alan. <laughs> I'd have come better prepared, but John, that's very impressive. So good evening to you. And good evening to Alan. I mean, uh, your commentary, Alan, I think is brilliant. Like you said, it's said straight off the off the sleeve and it's very honest. And, you know, you've had to watch a lot of hard football. But anyway, going back onto my background, I'm similar to Johnny's 50 years. I'm, I think, 48, six-year-old when I first went, uh, which were still the Ricky Epaulette, Malcolm Darling, one type of players I'm sure you'll remember. Um yeah, and I played I played at a good level, Saturday and Sunday football, um, you know, Division 1, 2s and 3s, won, won a lot of trophies, obviously been around football all my life, Chesterfield and Everton have been my passion. Um, gone to a lot of games, but obviously missed a lot through playing. Had trials at Chesterfield and a little trial at West Brom until I tore my cruciate ligament, which obviously, as you know, was a, in my day were career ending. But I still played at, you know, at local level. And, and followed football as Dave knows because I've had a lot to do with him um, you know become friends with people like John Duncan um, some of old players obviously Jamie who become a good friend Paul Holland a few people so you know I've been around coaching and, and listening and interviewing these people for different charities and different things as Dave knows we've done a bit bit, a, bit for like boxing fraternity we've done a few interviews as well as football um, yeah and that's it really and then you know obviously still interested to try and help us get to where we want to be. So I did have a conversation with John Duncan tonight, knowing that we were all going to meet up because he's become quite a good friend over the years. And I spoke to him and he's took me to a few games and, you know, we had a good, some good chats. Um, he's not a, the, he's not in very good health at the minute to what he used to be. He's uh, been suffering a bit. I don't know if you know, but he's got a bit of an heart problem. So I did say to him, John, they might be calling you. You know, and I just got a bit of insight really onto what he thought, you know, where a few were... Uh, players mentioned like Nicky Lorex players and this that other brilliant well, well what we'll do Chris is we'll uh, when we get on to talking about players and managers we'll we'll uh, if you're able to share some of the things that that John said to you in that in that section of the program that'd be great and then just for the benefit of people that don't know me obviously I'm David Lilly um I actually set up the Chesterfield FC fans group about about 7 years ago now and uh, we've got about 3800 people in there now I think it's probably the biggest um, the biggest membership of the different groups that are out there. As everybody knows, we don't allow swearing in, though. We try to avoid it. People do swear, but we delete their comments. We don't allow bullying or anything <coughs> like that. It's important to us. I think that is respected by the, va the vast majority. From a, 
uh, a footballing point of view, I was a professional commentator from, let me get the years right now in case anybody researches this, uh, from 1995 to 2003, uh, I was a commentator on, uh, primarily on Hallam FM, commentator stroke reporter, a similar time to what Phil Tooley was mainly covering Chesterfield. I used to be the roaming commentator covering sometimes Chesterfield when Phil couldn't make it, but often Chef United, Chef Wednesday, Barnsley, Doncaster and Rotherham. Uh, I did a little bit of commentary for other radio stations as well um, around the country, as you do when you're an independent. Um, I wasn't much of a footballer myself as a kid. I used to try and play and I had a spell where I thought I was going to get okay, but it never really came to much. Uh, but when you're a commentator, as Alan will tell you, you tend to study the game more than most people because you're expected to report back on it. So you do look at positional play. You do look at the the errors that are being made. You do look at who's creating chances, etc. as well as all the obvious stuff. Um, you tend to watch as a commentator a bit more dispassionately than when, you, that when, you're, when you're a supporter. Um, as a as a businessman, I'm a volunteer chairman of Elastic FM, and that's been around for ten years now. We got allocated an FM license by Ofcom in March this year. We hope to be on FM covering the Chesterfield area from around about March April next year. We're currently broadcasting on the internet, and uh, brilliant to actually pull off a deal with Chesterfield Football Club thanks to Nick Johnson and Alan um, to actually provide commentary home and away on, on, on Chesterfield. So that's my background. I'm going to switch now to the person that just provides a lot of the questions and gives some feedback. Very timely podcast, this first one then, gentlemen, because I think we were all probably all surprised to see that uh, John Pemberton stepped down yesterday. And I'm going to start by doing a round robin and, and getting your views on what you think about that. Was it a surprise? What did John Pemberton bring that we should be grateful for? And what I say, I guess, what is the good, bad, and the ugly? Because you know, I think there is a there's definitely a mix of mix of most. I'm going to kick this off by asking Alan Wilkinson for his thoughts. Yeah, uh, that's no doubt about it. I think John kept us up last year. Came took over from John Sheridan. Uh, I think we'd have stopped up last year, even though the season was curtailed. I think we got enough in his in his wins last year to stop up anyway. Uh, this season, it's just never got going, has it? Uh, it brought players back. Uh, I remember at the Q&A, and John Stevenson will probably regard this one as well, he did say he'd signed Jonathan Smith back and he would risk his job by signing Jonathan Smith. And unfortunately, that's come back to bite him. Uh, it brought, he had a chance to clear out at the end of the season. He didn't, possibly for two reasons. One, the takeover took a little bit longer than it should have done. Did he... Did he when he got the job finally? Did he panic and bring players back he knew or he thought he could trust? Uh, he probably did. Did he have enough time to scour the market and bring players in that that they could have brought in? Possibly not. Uh, so, yeah, I say I bow to John's knowledge on this because I know John's John's kept we, we keep up with John. But I think it's unfortunate that I think he has been let down by a lot of players. Uh, I'm not naming players' names. That would be unfair. We're not we're not here to. To, to which on I think he's been let down by a lot of players. Uh, he's been criticised for the, the long ball to Tom Denton. Uh, some like it, some don't. Tom scored six in eight games. Without them goals, where would we be? But I think John's been unfortunate at times, but probably a little bit um, soft at, at dropping players he really should have dropped. So I'm not naming names. I think we know who they all are. Uh, I don't know. I'm frustrated. I'm, 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 not shocked 
he's gone. I personally thought he got four more games, which would be Notts County, Weymouth, Aldershot and Dover away. I thought that's when the decision were made. But if John's decided to step down, then he's, he's pushed the issue and he's done it on his birthday. You know, so, but yeah, I think he'll be frustrated. I think he'll he'll sleep at night because he did say the last game we interviewed him, it's as long as I feel I've given everything to set it up on a Saturday afternoon. So he'll probably sleep at night. But I think he'll walk away with a lot of frustration and a lot of soul-searching. Yeah, thank you for that, Alan. I mean, just chipping in on some of the things that you said there before I move over to Chris for his thoughts. I do have, an, I do have aspects of sympathy. Uh, my, my view is that he obviously did keep us up and the players performed reasonably well under him towards the end of last season. Let's face it, it wasn't football for the purists. And a similar squad, obviously, when Sheridan came in after Martin Allen was, was sacked, you know, Sheridan almost had us playing promotion form with a similar crop of players. Now, whether that featured in Pemberton's thinking, where he thought, you know what, if I formate these players correctly and get them motivated and we have a bit of luck, maybe I, maybe they can challenge and they are players that I know. But ultimately, I tend to agree with you. I think the recruitment looked lazy, whether it was or not, because there were other factors at play, COVID, you know, the club saying to him, we don't want you to commit to contracts until this point. Maybe that left him too little time. He never really said that. But let's be honest, guys, every other manager had the same challenge. You know, all, they were all furloughed, etc. So I'm grateful for the fact that he kept us in, in this league because I think had he have not come along, if we'd have stuck with Sheridan, we'd have now been a National League North side. Um, but what we've seen this season is absolutely just not acceptable. The, the the quality of the football. I know we've only been losing games by the odd goal, apart from the Stockport replay defeat at 4-0. But um, the the level of errors that we've seen from the players, you know, which you could argue is the players' fault, but we keep getting the same issue. Is it the players are making errors because they're not comfortable in the formation they were in? We'll talk about more of that later. But Chris... Same question to you, my friend. Your thoughts on on John Pemberton, um, what you admired about what he did for us and the good, bad and the ugly. I think John Pemberton's uh, obviously a nice guy and a good a good pro from years ago, played at Palace. And I think when you play at that level, it's very tough as well when you're playing, when you're managing at this level, because sometimes you look at players and think, what you know, when why can't they pass a ball five? Why can't they do it? I think it's tough when you played at an high level. And sometimes for you to then get them to do what's needed to be done can be tough. And I think um, whether it was the right manager last year, I'm not sure they were the right person. But when Sheridan left and he, he were there and he come in, and like you said, a new manager, depend, no matter who it is really, sometimes you get a reaction from players. They get a few wins and luckily that kept us up, whether you put that down just to Pembo or to, to players, you know, a new manager coming in, whoever it were, just a new voice, uh, a few changes. But looking at, you know, nice guys don't win don't win football matches. Nice managers don't win it. And and I think what I've seen over the last few years with this team is a lack of, obviously, leadership. And I know we all know this and we've all mentioned it, a lack of leadership. I see diff- the team changing so much where a player comes in and, and then he's gone again, and I think, well, he went a bad place, sort of roughs and puffs for a few games. Like you said, they tend to go back to Tom Benton. I like Tom, he gives his all for what he can do, but to me, nowhere near good enough at, at, at that level. Uh, scores a few goals, like Alan says. If you put balls in, he will score goals. But, you know, as you look at football in today's era, it's not that long ball and that big forward. It don't work long term. 
you've got to get wingers and crosses into box. Don't matter if you've got a fast winger and he puts a cross into box, just keep crossing it. Don't matter how, where, when he keeps putting it in that box, uh, you'll get results. And obviously, we need players who can sometimes be a bit calm and put a foot on ball. But you know, Penball going, it don't surprise me. Obviously, it's too many managers in too short a time, so we need to. I think somebody mentioned earlier, recruitment's massive. You've got to get somebody who knows how to recruit a football manager at this level. And when we talk about Isol Campbell's, you know, uh, Paul Inces and all these, again, I don't, I'm not sure they'd be bad, especially Sol Campbell maybe, because he's really itching to prove himself. But again, you do have that sometimes that they look at players at this level and, and when they've played at such an high level, I sometimes think you're Nicky Laws who's, played at this level, managed and done a great job at Alfred and will come in and kick a few backsides, if, if you know what I mean, and, and probably get a reaction again. But long term, you know, to me, it's all about, in this division especially, and John will, will say the same, probably done his coaching and everything else, and I've done a lot of coaching. It's, it's fitness. You know, you've got to get a fit team. You've got to get a settled team. You've got to get some fitness. You've got to get a good centre-half, a good keeper, because you've got to stop conceding goals. And in division, as I see it, there's a lot of late goals going at, you know, against Chesterfield. Uh, and we've got to stop that. You know, we've got we've got to get a foundation. We go 1-0 up a lot. You know in, in history now, one, a team that only takes lead wins a good percentage of games. Chesterfield don't. And that's got to be fitness, lack of concentration, lack of leadership. I mean, you guys have seen more games than me, you know, this year. So you can tell me a little bit more. But you know, there's new players coming. I don't really know that well. But like I said, fitness. You get a team that's fit, playing for each other, playing for manager. They'll not be bottom at league. They might not be top at league, but they won't be bottom. So to conclude, Chris, just on the question of Pembo, uh, whilst you're grateful, and I definitely agree with you that uh, I don't know him personally, and we often give people a nice guy label, but from what I hear, he was a nice guy. Um, and we're not in a nice guy competition here, are we? You know, we're in a football success competition. You know, and I'm sure if you stood the last seven managers in a line and we had a competition about who was the nicest guy, Paul Cook definitely wouldn't win that competition, but he'd definitely win that competition from the point of view of being an effective football manager. So well, one, of greatest, uh, one of the greatest managers ever, Dave, Alex Ferguson. I know it's an old different level, but there's not many people really like Fergie that much because at games he played, way he is, how abrupt he were, but his success, and that, that says it all, doesn't it? So, John, um, yes. coming to you now, the question of Pembo, you know, what have we got to be grateful to him for, the good, bad and the ugly? I know you weren't particularly supportive of his appointment in, in the first place, but what are your thoughts on reflecting on on his short tenure as Chesterfield manager? Well, obviously I was um, party to information about him being academy manager at Sheffield United Yeah, because I was with the club. So I understood or was told, you know, what the man was all about. And with respect to him, a great player um, in his day, um, and a very good academy manager, but there's a significant difference between managing youth and managing National League, which Chris has just put over perfectly. Yeah. Um, so come last year and got that extra yard, if you like, out of players and we survived. But that's all we did. Yeah. Um, fundamentally, he came in and re-signed players that have failed for the previous two seasons. I will never be able to understand ever how we really thought that was a good idea, David. Um, you know, I've been asked by three other managers in our division, what did you expect if we re-signed players that were relegation players in three years before? 
Yes, Alan, I was there in the Q&A when he said he came into the room and he was clearly aware people were going to ask him challenging questions. I don't know if you were there, David, but he broke into this 30-minute speech which shot everybody down in flames in one hit. Yeah. And it finished with about talking about, you know, the midfielder Smith saying, you know, I'd get the sack for him um, and that he came back and re-signed on a third of his salary. Well, Smith tried to get a contract with every other team in the South of England. It didn't happen, so he came back. But, <laughs> you know, that said, I would expect other managed to say the same thing. Now, John is most definitely a man where if it's not his decision, it's a poor decision. So you probably gathered from his interviews and the way he puts himself across that if you don't, um, he only wants to do what he wants to do. Hence, we've played 3-5-2, which is a versatile formation. Yeah. But in itself, yeah. you need a, a, form, a stout defence and a powerful offence to be able to play that formation. And your wing-backs have got to be able to get up and down the pitch. I don't need to tell you, gentlemen, we haven't got that type of player at Chesterfield. Yeah. We haven't got the legs to play that formation. But did it stop him playing it? No. Would he revert it to a 4-4-2 to make us more sturdy and maybe scrape a few wins or a few draws? He stuck with his beliefs um, of playing 3-5-2 and obviously it's ended up with him actually leaving his role. So I think that the situation is such that he found the transition from academy football to National League too big a leap. Um, I've... At the beginning of the season, I sent four, three or four players to him via text. Uh, players I'd researched, players that had looked, played in the North, North, National North, National South, and are currently with other teams in the National League. Uh, two of them doing extremely well. And one of them, he invited him for a trial. And then I, he didn't actually tell me he'd invited him in for a trial. He's now since signed with somebody else. So I've got one at Barnet, two at Eastley, and one somewhere else that he looked at and was within his rights to, de to, to decline them. But they were all better players than what he re-signed. And, and probably as importantly, they were all on significantly less money than the players he's got. So he proved to me that if they're not his decision, it's a poor decision. So knowing all that and... You know, I thought that, well, John, if, that, if that's how it is, then that's how it is. We didn't fall out or anything. I just thought that, you know, John's got to do his own thing and it doesn't, I don't think he, he, you know, wanted to be hearing from anybody else around him. And that's that's probably how he's ended up sort of uh, walking away from his role. I think he's a proud man and I think he's for, I really can't do anything with this squad. I've probably made some mistakes and he's he's walked away from it, which I respect him for. It's interesting, isn't it, John, that, I mean, you a couple of things to pick up on there. You talk about the formation. I, I completely agree with you. You choose a formation to suit the players that you've got and yes. you don't look at any of our, let's call them fullbacks that could be wingbacks. Although I think Buchanan's had a couple of energetic games, you know, at his age, he's not yes. going to be able to sustain getting up and down that wing for 90 minutes. No. Um, and I think, you know, I think even Pembo said that before the season started, that he wouldn't <clears> expect that. And then on the other side, although at times Cropper looks athletic, 
he makes such a lot of mistakes. He gives the ball away such a lot. He looks he looks better going forward than he does actually defensively. Yes. And in a wing-back yes. position, you need to be as effective defensively at times as you do offensively. Um, the things that have surprised me is, obviously, he's, he's chosen to leave. I wonder what that means for his career, because he walked away from Kidderminster as well, didn't he? You know, in his yeah. first, I guess, yeah. proper manager's job. And now <clears throat> he's left Chesterfield. Do you think we could expect to see... Pemberton crop up again, you know, in lower league or or, or uh, even lower league, lower league professional football or this league or a league below. Or do you think he might, his next job might be an academy job somewhere? I, I think he could easily get an academy job. I, I believe he's an outstanding coach. Yeah. Um, but having been involved in it, you know, if you're coaching National League 34, 35 year old players or 15, 16, 17 year old academy, there's such a significant difference in that. Um, but I think that is probably where his strength lies, David. And who knows? I don't know what his financial situation is. Obviously played at a high level for a, a, a fair amount of time. So he may be quite comfortable. Um, but I think he could easily walk into a role similar to that or a, a development role in a premiership club, you know, running the under 18, something like that. And he would be outstanding at that. Um, National League, whole different ball game. Um, it's a results think, game, isn't it? With with youngsters, yeah. it's more about development than actually winning football matches. Whereas when you're in a, when you're in a lower league first team coach role, you're expected to win the foot the game. I mean, you could get away with finishing mid table with a kids team, but if you've got players that are actually developing that could make the first team, that's your objective. Whereas at our level, the objective is winning football matches, isn't it? Absolutely. On a few points that John said there, that I was picking up on and I've noticed over a few years is quite correct, is when you said, you know, he sticks to this 3-5-2. Big weakness, isn't it, when you think that you've just both said the wing-backs, which we've not had, have not, not been wing-backs, really. they can't do job. And I think one of the biggest things as a manager, as well as he might be a good coach, is to look at the players you've got. And if it is 4-4-2, because you've got to play that to get results and get players doing what you want, you've got to do that. It's no good you saying, I believe in 3-5-2, because if you haven't got them players to play 3-5-2, but I think that's a big weakness. And what John said earlier about, I mean, I've known a few people at Chesterfield who've scattered on it years, and obviously John, as passionate as all of us, has, has recommended a few players here and there. And I think one of the problems with these managers, and Chesterfield in general, find it hard to listen to local people who are knowledgeable and take on board. They don't have to do all in particular, but go and have a look at these players. If they're getting somebody who's taking the time and energy free to give them a few options. And I, I don't believe anybody's ever been big enough to go and look at these players and scout. I know they've got Paul Lemon in now, but that, I think that's been a massive problem over the years that Chesterfield have been very, very poor at scouting. And also, when you look at your John Duncan that you've mentioned, I know from experience that Andy Morris, John Duncan, all these people, they've not, never been treated very well by a club. It's like, yeah, we know you won, won a lot, but we don't want to really. And to keep them people close, it would have been great for managers that's coming to be able to have a chat here and there with John Duncan over a period of time, just to get that input of why he, how he made his team solid. To I mean, like he said to me tonight, he says, they'd take 1-0 every week now, wouldn't they, mate? I think the, the, part the, the, of the problem is he signed two players as long as he got pace, which is Tom Danton and, and Kiwamia, and he's not even playing them, playing he's not even starting them. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that down to stubbornness? Uh, I mean, Nathan Tyson, we also were a great sign. We knew we were 38 year old, we knew we were injury prone, and that's been proved to be the case. But I think Kiwamia's got pace, and I think he can beat a man. 
And I think Tyler Denton can as well. But he's reluctant. The players he's brought back, he won't. He's not even starting them. I think it's you know it's it's it, it's frustrating. I think Iwami could do a job in this league, but he won't start him. What what's in what's very interesting, um, and I'm going to bring this around to scouting now, if I may, because obviously we've all given our opinion on on John, and and I think it was definitely the best thing for the club to actually for him to move on and for us to try and find a manager that meets the criteria for 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 what we need going mm-hmm. forward. But to me, it makes no sense whatsoever to ignore suggestions for players. I mean, you got the likes of John. You know, mentioning he said he mentioned four players. One of them was taken on trial, but John had not mentioned that. You know, essentially, we've got a professional scout that, by the sounds of it, had put players forward for free. Why would you ignore that? And and I'll go back to something that that I think is a cast iron fact, and that is during the heady heights of um, of Paul Cook, a man that didn't often get any of the credit was Paul Mitchell. Yeah, um, Paul Mitchell. The, the turning point for Chesterfield wasn't just Paul Cook leaving. It was not long after that under Danny Wilson. I don't know the background. I'm not going to speculate about things I don't know, but um, I think it's a fact to say that Danny Wilson didn't want, didn't like, didn't trust Paul Mitchell, one, one of those three. And Paul Mitchell was allowed, he had a very long contract. I think he had a five-year contract and he was allowed to leave. Um, so I think you look back and the, the other person that got a lot of flack at Chesterfield was obviously Chris Turner. Now, Chris Turner got a lot of flack and some of it, you know, deserved for some of the things that he allowed himself to get involved in. But certainly a combination of Mitchell and, and Turner signing negotiating contracts with players that we went on to make into good players and the club made good money, which I know all, all that did was offset the loans that Dave Allen had given. But we lose Paul Mitchell, we lose the scouting system, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, it's 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 a fact to say that we had Guy Branston, who some people would have labelled as a joke of a of a of a scout. He actually went on to become caretaker caretaker manager, as you know, for a few games, um, and then Charlie Williamson was up was brought in to do scouting, and then if you listen to what Pemberton said, there were no signs that there were any records on players that Charlie Williamson had scouted. So fundamental failure in 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 our football club since Paul Mitchell left is to be to have any type of scouting system in place. Now, obviously, we've got Paul Lemon in situation now. Um, did, how much do you know about him, John? Paul Lemon. I know his previous role was at Scunthorpe, and I don't know what happened there. Um, and as I understand it, and Chris and you, David, might be able to answer this. I understand he's a John Crew um, uh, referral, or his, his connection is to John, not to Paul, not to uh, his connection is to John Crew, not to John Pemberton. So he's probably in a stronger position than what he was a couple of days ago. Could um, I add a little whisper that obviously, if he if he weren't Pembo's man, then he's not the sort of chap to be taking That's a recommendation from a third party. So Paul might be in a much stronger position now. Um, I did notice, and, and, I, and I thought this really highlighted it for me, that Paul said he'd watched all these under-23 games and about the press a couple of days later, uh, Pembo went out of his way to say, I'm not really interested in under-23 players to play at National League level, which I agree with, by the way. But mm. he, um, I thought, well, that's, that's quite an interesting... Might have read too much into it, 
but that was quite an interesting one says one thing and one says, well, I don't want under 23 players, well, but they didn't say it to each other. I would say, John, that Pemberton's definitely, if it was nothing, it was intelligent. I mean, I thought his interviews were mainly, particularly early days, were quite constructive. So I can't imagine he would have slipped up and said something like, and it's pretty fundamental, isn't it, that your head scout has a relationship with your first team coach and you're Absolutely. actually going out, you're going out and looking at players that meet a criteria that you've agreed. And if that criteria is not under 23s, um, I wonder, I don't, I don't know the answer to the question whether whether um, Paul Lemon consulted Bet Pemberton as to whether Paul, Le- um, Paul Le- uh, Lemon should be the coach or whether that was just John Crook recruiting him because he knows him. Uh, you know, I, know knows. Paul Lemon. I know Paul Lemon quite well. I spoke to him um, quite a lot. I know he's done a lot of scouting here and there, but again, at this level, a scout, you know, it's um, it should be, it should be talking to manager. Like you said, they should be looking, but I don't think any player, you know, that age thing again, if a player's good enough, he's good enough. So, wherever you find him, and if he can do a job for a club, then that's what you need. It's interesting, guys, isn't it? Because if you think about it, football is of the nature where a manager often takes a backroom team with him. Hmm. So, it, occasionally you get a scenario where a manager's brought in because someone's been fired, and that manager's told you've got to work with the current backroom staff because we can't afford to pay them all off but in most instances here at Chesterfield even you know we've seen when a manager's gone the staff's gone with him so when Jack Lester went um, the goalkeeping coach went his, his, his assistants Tommy Wright and the guy Nicky Eden they went um, I mean Martin Allen uh, came in he brought his own um his own guy in what was his name? Adrian Whitbread was came in with him, didn't he? Um, you know, uh, so it's it's interesting, isn't it, that managers like to have people that they like, know, and trust around them, and that would even, I think, extend to cut in, extend to uh, to coaching. Clearly, Mitchell, Paul Mitchell, and and Paul Cook had a had a work, uh, an effective working relationship because it was working. Danny Wilson didn't have an effective working relationship. You could sense that Gary Caldwell uh, didn't want Guy Branston. And I wonder whether that was a situation with Pembo, whether Pembo wanted Paul Lemon, had any say in that, or was told, here is, here is, your, here is your scout. I think it's exactly the last thing you said there. Um, so I think that um, that probably assisted the situation, being able to give Paul the job. Um, it, I think it, it's safe to say if you're not Pembo's man, he, he doesn't make that decision. And he's not one for accepting that. I can I can assure you that is the case because obviously I know the guy that was assistant to him last year. Um, and whilst he said he was a great coach, he said whatever you did, he always had to amend it by a yard one way or the other. So he was very, very pedantic about having the final say on absolutely everything, he's, even things you don't really need to do. Yeah. So I think that goes back. Yeah, so he's a very, very strong-willed man. And it's his way or the highway. And I think that he probably can't see that it can be his way with the team. And he's proud when he's walked away from it. Um, I wonder, gentlemen, if the new man coming in, whoever that might be, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that towards the end of the podcast. I wonder if, if that new man will accept having to take, you know, have, whether he's got a choice in who his assistant manager is or his physio or his chief scout. I wonder whether we get someone that is just happy to come in and accept Paul Lemon as the chief scout. What do you think about that? I think I that fully expect 
John Dungworth's input Saturday to be his only input. I don't think he'll be here after Saturday. If the, I think the new man comes in, I think John Dungworth will be will be gone as well. I think Saturday will be his only only time he's in charge of the team. Do you think, Alan, you say that about, obviously that's about Dungworth, but do you think clearly, and I think the club are attaching the right importance to scouting, I will credit them for that. You know, it's something they've clearly pounced on very very quickly in, in the big scheme of things, particularly against a backdrop of COVID where money's tight. But I guess the question I'm asking you all is, does the manager get to choose the chief scout or does that does the manager just accept what, what he, he's given? He may not need one, David. I, I mean, I've spoke to Nicky Law at length about it and there's no doubt about it. When you look at, well, Nicky Law signed Jordan Cropper, ironically, from Ilkeston for Burnley. Nicky knows the type of player you need in non-league to get out of this division. And they've talked to him about it and he's. Re, he, 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 I asked him about Cropper and he said, under 23, John, not the way. You want people that will put their head through a brick wall for you. You know, the right type of um, determination, grit, and uh, an ability, of course, that can get you out of this division. Um, so he wasn't saying the player wasn't good enough. He said he's got a long throw, but you can't put boys into the men's game. And that's spoken about a lot. At, you know, even at Sheffield United, our under-23s, we've got some talented boys like Zach Brunt, and um, the boy, you know, lad we've got on loan at, at Luton. But Mark Smith, as in who was our academy manager at Chesterfield, he is very careful where he loans those players to because it's about their development. He doesn't want to drop them into a role where they play long ball and it makes the player look poor. And then he loses his confidence and then he comes back and he's not progressed at all. So there's this, there's this, um, I don't know, this, this, this sort of uh, feeling in football, the National League, there's a certain type of player that you need to get you out of that league. And certain managers have the ability to, to recruit those players and certain managers don't. I've been very lucky to speak to three or four managers in our division over this last 18 months. And it, it's been very interesting to get their feedback on the type of player they need. And that's been a mix of legs, pace, dynamism, and then experience and um and and composure and, and all those sort of things so not like Chesterfield where we're predominantly the age groups towards the wrong wet wrong end of the scale you know 34 35 you've got four or five players in there that do the groundwork and do the up and down and we've got you've got three or four that are probably early 30s that have got experience of you know playing considerable amount of games in the national league and we've not managed to get that balance We've got the experience, but it's not cutting it, is it? The experience we've got isn't cutting what we need in this league. Well, they haven't got, the got the legs, Alan. You've got a no, team no. with no pace. No, no. You've got no characteristics, team. No. The characteristics <laughs> of the team seem, seem all wrong to me. I mean, the one thing that I was watching the other night, I was paying close attention to this, was when we lost the ball, did we really look like we had a desire to actually win the ball back. You watch Liverpool, for example, and I know we're completely comparing apples with oranges now. We're at com completely ends of the spectrum, I know. But the one thing, quality of player, passing ability, positional awareness, uh, fitness apart, the one thing that Liverpool have in abundance, which Klopp insists of, is when you lose the ball, win it back. Press. Win it yeah. back, uh, you know, and die to win it back. And you watch Liverpool and they lose the ball and it's it's desperate. 
the desire to win the ball back is desperate. Now, I watched us the other night and I see players losing the ball and trotting back. You know, you watch Liverpool, a player lose the ball, doesn't trot, he doesn't trot back. He spins around and tries to win the ball. The very player that's just been brought down will get up and run and try and win the ball back. And we don't, just took, we don't see that. Just touched on that. Yeah, you've touched on that, Dave. And I wrote four things down here, you know, for that league and any league, really. Fitness, organisation, pace and desire. Desire is biggest. If you haven't got only desire, you're going nowhere. So, like you rightly said, when you see some a team lose a ball, you want to see 11 players want to get it back. And there was an ex- that's a fair point, Chris. And one of the most, the best examples I've seen of a game that we won, this was under Martin Allen, where the players were on it and wanted to win. Do you remember when we played Salford? We'd been on a bit of a losing run. Yeah. And yeah. however he'd managed to do it, Allen, he, he took his coat off, he got his sleeves rolled up, his body language, on this, he was working as hard as the players, you know, to encourage him and, um, and the players were fighting for every single ball. And we won that game as a consequence. And it was almost mm. like we poured everything we got into getting that. And you, Liverpool do that every game. They don't do it one game and then not again for another six. They do it every game. That brings us on then, gentlemen, to the current squad. The players that we've got currently, have a think about them. Which of them, which of them do we feel could do a job for us under the right manager in the right formation. Okay. I'm going to start with John, because I know, John, you've probably studied this more than most. Right. Quite an easy one for me. Uh, Charman, Rowley, Rawson, Milan. And this is one uh, I don't think Chris is going to agree with me on, but I've, I've spoke to a couple of managers about this guy. Denton. 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 Only because it gives us an alternative situation, not a no, 90 player. Yeah. No, Put him on. Put him on because sometimes away defences put two men on him. Yeah. Obviously, what's happening in now is away teams, and I've been told this, they're on to us with Denton. It doesn't. Yeah. You don't have to be a tactical genius to work out how we're going to play him because when he heads the ball, he's never he's never really sure where that is going, and no. he can't hold the ball up. But he's such a threat in the area, and he's also helpful for defensive position dropping Massively back yeah. set pieces. So, question mark, John. Question mark. I had just on your <laughs> No, I said just had Denton when you said Chris Watt was Yeah, going. yeah. Well, I only thought <laughs> that alternative uh, yeah. situation where we, we won nil down or we won one, he's on yeah. the bench, we want to win the game, and they're not really, they're not really, they've not really thought about what we're going to do, and you throw yeah. him up top for the last 20. Courses for courses, yeah. He's like, very, great. very good at that. The rest of the boys, I think, um, Rawson and Sharman, we all know about. They've got potential. They're young. You know, they can be coached to be better players. Um, Joe Rowley, Joe was given that long deal simply because Chesterfield Football Club thought he was going to go for a lot of money. I mean, Spurs watched him once, believe it or not. Now, Joe's confidence has been shot to pieces. Joe's been with us with England C, as you know. When we played Wales, I was with him at the hotel in Manchester. And I think he's a player who's had the confidence beaten out of him right from the Jack Lester days. Yeah. So I think every manager's missed the opportunity to put their arm around Joe and encourage him and get the best out of him. You can't play him where he has a good game the other day and then drop him the following game. He must think, what have I done wrong? Because that's yeah. what Pembo did. Yeah. Dropped so many times that, John, yeah, definitely. Um, and then Milan, um, I'm 50-50 on, but he's young, 
He's big, he's strong, yeah, you know, he has got ability. And I think that they need to work on his fitness because he's, I don't know if you, I mean, Alan's probably the one that's watched him the most. His mobility is a bit restricted. Um, so, but that is, you know, you can work on those things with those players. And all bar Tom, they, they're young enough to go on and do a job for us. Whereas the rest, it's the end of the road. So, John, I've got to I've got to pin you down on some of that then. So, okay. the likes of I'm going to mention names of players that you've you've said you've not mentioned there. So, in other words, you, you think they're surplus to uh, to our needs or not good enough. Lawrence Maguire, Scott Bowden, um, yeah. Curtis Weston, Jonathan Smith. Yeah, none of them would feature in 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 the club if you had the option of bringing new players in. They'll be gone, would they? They are all out of contract, um, obviously next year. Um, and that would be their final contract for me. Yeah. I'm afraid that at that age, Curtis Weston, I mean, I'm sure you guys all know what he has cost Chesterfield. Nice guy, by the way. Um, Smith, 35, 36. Um, Lawrence has had some injury problems, so I could be, could be convinced we ought to keep him. Will Evans, um, I think Will is going backwards at a rate of knots that's terrifying really but is that a confidence issue it was shocking the other day wasn't he um he has been in a number he, of he looks, he has been in a he number looks shaky he looks uncomfortable on the ball yeah yarny can't pass a ball five yards i'm horrified <laughs> absolutely um and i'm afraid they they will all need to move on and the team's gonna have to get some we're gonna have to get some legs into the team david and some pace um, the other thing I've thought about from a psychology point of view is, you know, we've told all these players they've got a year and as it had a negative effect, you know, they look to me, a few of them, like they're playing, knowing, you know, I know four or five of them guys know there's no chance for a new contract, no chance. So are you going to put, are you going to put it all out on the grass when you know you're leaving? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, in fact, put another contract somewhere. They're, they're not, though, are they? No, you, should be. you should be. You know, you know the, 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 Will, Will and, you know, Will is reported what Will earns, Curtis Weston, yeah. obviously Martin Allen gave them those massive contracts. They know they're not stopping. No. So I'm not saying they're being unprofessional, but I think in the back of your mind, you probably think, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to go out there and, and, and get myself in a leg-breaking tattle because my career is going to end in May. Chesterfield. Maybe they don't naturally think that. It's probably the it, role they've got into. Like subconscious. Subconscious. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't think it's a... But, it, but of course, it, it's, you know, they're coming towards the end of the careers. And, um, and and I think they're subconsciously aware of that. And there's no confidence in club anyway, is there? So, no, there's I mean, not, no. On the plays no. you mentioned... Sorry, Dave, I don't know if I'm putting in... No, no, you're OK. Yeah. But regarding, you know... I've not watched these as much as obviously John and Alan because I've not been able to get to as many games as them. But I've watched all these players. And then that John mentioned, there were a few of them I'd, I'd sort of ticked and said, yeah, young lads like Rawson. I'm not seen enough of them. It looks a good lad. I mean, Smith, at one time, I watched him and thought he looked a good player. But did you say he's 34, 35, John? I think, yeah. he's, 30, I think he's 35. Yeah, so he's, um, been, yeah. he, he's been moved into different positions. Yeah. He was predominantly a centre midfielder. Um, and he's played a little bit on the left and yeah. his, his inability to get around the pitch or put a foot in 
was significantly better last year than what it is this year. Right, yeah. It's become really ineffective. But again, and going back to what Alan said earlier, you know, you were waxing lyrical about him, John Pemberton, saying, you know, if I have to get sacked for Smith, I'll get sacked for him, and then drops him. Yeah, strange. So we have we have Kuomia. When you've got to make your signings count, Kuomia, yeah. Tyler Denton, yeah. Smith, all the players you re-sign, six games in, aren't playing. Yeah. Which is I do find that strange, but I think managers, it goes back to what I said to you about managers getting flustered and start panicking and let's put Tom Denton in and whack a big ball up to see if we can feed off it. And and if you've got a plan that you can put a ball up to a big guy and you've got the proper, you know, players that can run off him, brilliant. But if you haven't got that and we're heading it to back to opposition, then it's not a plan, is it? And I think that's the biggest problem. There's, you know, I've not seen a manager come in and put his shirt on a set of players where he's gone, right, that's me back four, that's me midfield, that's me forwards. They're going to get 10 games like a manager will ruffle again and say, you're me lads, put arm right shoulder, like you said, John, which players yeah. need? The yeah. young lads, the end it day, yeah. you know, the human beings, and went crabs on the back, it's not easy, but I can only put myself and think if it were me, and I've got 2,000, 1,000, 3,000, I'd run through a brick walls for them, and I, and I weren't the toughest, I were more like skill and playing football, but... I would run through a brick wall to, for my fans that were chanting my name out, you know. And, and if they, even if they get on your back, you're a professional, you know. And it, it's like I said, you've got to show that desire and want to play. And it doesn't matter if your contract's gone in a year because you should be trying to get one somewhere else. And you can change the manager's mind before end of year, by the way. So, it's you know. interesting, is it, guys? I'm, I'm, I am going to make sure that I get around us all on, on, you know, thoughts around players that we want to keep. So, you know, just emphasising what John said there is there's, there's only a handful of players that that it would keep, it would be a clear out as far as John's concerned. And we have to respect that view as someone that's out there scouting for other clubs that are actually in the league. When you talk about players having desire, you know, as, as I was listening to you then, Chris, the names and the faces of players that have played for us that would run, would have run through a brick wall for us were springing into mind. I mean, in, ironically, they're local lads and Chesterfield fans. One of them's Bob Newton, Bob yeah, Newton, I'm Bob, Bob Newton would have run through a wall Jamie Hewitt, he's an, he's another one. Um, through his own players. Tony Lormer, as you know, has now settled in our our neck of the woods. You know, he he'd he'd a run he'd a run through a wall for the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, players actually Blatherwick. Blatherwick. Uh, they, yeah, they, they, they did. They didn't just play for us. They became fans of us. I mean, Jack Lester. <clears throat> He would have run absolutely. Would have run through a wall for the club. Indeed, definitely. And hated losing. You know, and used to get really upset when um, when the team lost, and you know, I had high standards. The incident that John referred to with Rowley surprised me. I, I actually know Jack personally. I've been to his to his house in, in in Nottingham when he lived there, and then his house in Sheffield. I'd class him as a friend. I hosted a dinner. He sat by the side of me. Um, knowing his philosophy towards um, being a good person, what he did with Rowley actually surprised me. You know, that game at Yeovil where. Rowley just made one error, cost us a goal, and and literally really early in the game, Jack pulls him off and rollocks him publicly. I, I I think I think that still haunts Joe, and it was surprising from Jack. And I wonder now, you know, it'd be nice to talk to Jack about that to wonder, you know, whether that's something that bothers him because the Jack Lester I know won't like to think that he's had that impact on him. But I'm going to come across to you now, Alan, in terms of players that you would keep from the current squad. You've heard from John, you know, John. I think you said Sharman, Rowley, Rawson. Um, who else? Denton did you, and, and, Milan. And, and 
Denton and Milan Butterfield. So only five you would keep. Alan, yeah. how about yourself? Yeah, it's difficult to disagree with that. Sean and Roth are definitely two for the future. Uh, Tom Denton, I, I would keep. Same as say, he's definitely a plan B. Or if, if you need, if you go a couple of big centre-outs coming up against, start Tom very much set up and bring them off. Uh, Milan has, has got something that needs to be to, to be coached out. And, uh, yeah, he does like it. I mean, at Belper, I mean, this is against Belper, he, look, he looked in a class of his own. But his, his struggle is gone to sleep a few times in this league. Uh, Joe Rowley, people will say when John puts Joe up, people say to John, how many chances does Joe Rowley want? The new, I think the new manager that comes in, this really is Joe Rowley's last chance saloon. It, I, I agree that Jack <clears> Lester probably did his confidence. And I think a lot of the older players' confidence is absolutely shot at, i.e. the results we've had. It, 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 it's a spiral we've got into losing. And we just don't seem to be able to get out of it. A few of these players, again, they've had the confidence knocked out of them. But yeah, as far as the older players go, this is there. You've got to be the last. You can't envisage keeping any of them. Uh, Buchanan, the jury will be out on Buchanan. Uh, squad member, possibly, do a job coming on. Uh, but the rest of them, I feel, I mean, Mandeville, to me, is an enigma. Uh, John Pemberton shouted his praises, then won't pick him. It runs and runs and runs and then falls down. Last a lot of that last few years, not just Mandeville, the, the fall down with the final ball, the final application, third. Alan, at oh, Mandeville yeah. can't apply yeah. himself. Same problem at Doncaster Rovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. apply himself. It, 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 yeah. He's he's too inconsistent. Um, yeah. and and just he, he could be on the pitch forty minutes and you'd not know he was there. No, he's a nigger, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's uh, well. Let's face it: if you're at Doncaster and you come to Chesterfield, it's probably a good chance of something not quite right. What about young yeah. Regan Upton, John? What, what do you make of him? He's not going to. What, what do you think? He's too well, young. I like. Now it's funny enough. I forgot about him. I really liked him. Yeah. Um, but not had an opportunity. So the new man. So is he too really... young to get the opportunity? Yeah. Is it going no, no. to throw him in? It'd be good enough. Mm. You, you know, your age is irrelevant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna thank you for that, Alan. So you you pretty much mirror what John Stevenson said, and that would be for you. It would be a wholesale clear out with only a small number of the younger players, and Tom Denton you'd keep. Understand that completely. He's such an impact, such a difficult. I would, I would think of Buchanan as possibly a part-time squad player. Okay. Maybe Buchanan experience. You know, bring younguns on. Right now, Mr. Hyman, I know you've probably not seen as much of the of the the team this season as you would normally, but no. based on uh, uh, based on the players you've you've uh, you've seen, who would you definitely keep? To be honest, I've got a lot of them down. I mean, I, when I've seen them, I've got Sharman, I've got Yarny, I've got Rawson, got Kiamia. Um I like that Mandeville. I've put question marks. I've seen him have a good game, and then I've seen him bad. Uh, Smith, I put down for his ages probably against him. A little bit, and I put Tyson, but I know he's getting on a bit now, and he's been injured again. Aren't he? Um, and I and I liked Rowley when I've seen him, but I do I, what the guys have touched on earlier. I found a lot of players where they seem to come and have a good game, and then they get dropped or for whatever reason and move on. I don't think it's out, so I don't think there's any manager being able to put um, like somebody like Rowley in a position and give him ten games, and whether he makes a mistake or not, give him ten games. That this is my boy. I'm gonna. This is my system. I'm gonna play. He's gonna be my playmaker or whatever. I just don't think any manager. And and you know we've all been around game game a long time. Us four. And you know 
you look at managers when you say you see managers coming through or these managers that you know the high profile that get a chance on back of what they've done. It don't matter what you've done in the past. It don't matter. It's about being going into a club. Everybody knows football. Simple game. It's being fit. It's having desire. It's passing and moving. So you need to have a couple of players who can put the foot on ball when you need them to and pass it. You need to have a bloke who can put his foot in. You need to have a bloke who can get a few bit throat. I know it's not nice to see, but you do like to see it. You know, and I thought Will Evans when I used to watch him, I thought he was going to be a really good player, but I've not seen him this season, so I can only go on what Alan said that he seems to be going backwards and sinking. But when I first seen him, I thought he were going to be a bit of a leader. You know, and and it's not materialised, and I think that's one of the big problems. There ain't no leader. I don't. None of you can tell me that there's a a particular leader. And when I've watched him, that's been evident to me that there's nobody. Whether it's you know all these midfielders like your Westons, and I think you've touched on it many times, Dave. How all midfield's very similar. They play similar players. That uh, they have a good game because they you know and they win a few tackles. They have a great game, maybe score a goal, and then for four weeks they go missing. And, and somebody's got to get hold of these players. You can't get rid of them all, as you know. We've got to get hold of these players. And somebody's got to sit down and they've got to they've got to get a reaction from them and they've got to pick the best what they think's the best team and give them a run of games and they've got to, you know, get them get the fitness up as far as I'm concerned. So we lose a lot of late goals. Is that down to fitness, Alan? Uh, the, 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 I think these last ten minutes we seem to fade away. The problem for me is Everybody's saying drop Will Evans. Okay, you drop Will Evans, take the armband off him. Who do you give it to? Right, yeah. captain, you can give it to. I don't think there is one. No. Well, no, it's a chance. So for me, from my viewpoint, guys, I'm, I'm actually very closely aligned to all of you. So I would absolutely keep Denton for the reasons that we that we know. I, I would actually use him more as an impact sub. I wouldn't start with him. I think for the reasons that John Stevenson said, you know, anybody watching our games would know Straight away, we're going to be playing the long ball towards Denton. This is how to sort of, this is this is how to counter that in our formation. You know, mark him tight, make it difficult for him to win the header, and 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 man mark the runner. That might be Bowden. What are you going to do then, if um, if the ball's played up to Denton and he wins the header, but Bowden's the the, the second striker and and the, and the the defender's tight to him, you've nullified it. You, you, you've yeah, absolutely been, unless you've got unless you've got more runners off that off that header, you know you deep midfield players. But so I would play, I would keep him, and I do see the value, and I think he'd come on as an impact sub. I think his value from a defensive header point of view is immense. But the challenge that we've got, and you can study this, and anybody listening to this who wants to criticise is more than happy for you to do that. But if you actually got a pad and a pen and studied the game and you put a little mark on your page every time we played a long ball forward, and then you put a little mark on the same page to say, how many times did we actually retain possession? How many times did Denton win the header? And if he did win the header, did it go to a Chesterfield shirt? Or did we lose the second ball? And ultimately, how many times are we giving away possession cheaply? And the issue with with having Tom in the team, and we all value his goals, no question, the six goals he scored, credit to him. But when he's in the team... Our current formation, with the exception of the Stockport first FA Cup game when we played uh, Kawamya Tyson and we were we were high pressing, and even though we drew that game and we won on penalties, that for me was our best performance this this season with with Denton in the team. But if you're playing with Denton in the team and you're actually just hitting the long ball towards him, it's so predictable. And the other thing is with with Tom, he has no mobility whatsoever. 
So yeah. if you're up against a team that um, that are going to try and build from the back, they've got good defenders that are carrying the ball out. Tom can't keep up with them to close them down. Yeah. So you, you're immediately up against it. You know, you need, I believe you need mobile strikers that can actually do a high press. But I would keep I would keep Denton for the reasons you've mentioned. I know we can't afford to keep him, but the only midfielder that I would keep out of the crop we've got now, if we could afford to, is Weston. And I, the only reason I say that um, is because he really, despite his age, he really is fit. He, he's a complete and absolute fit, fitness fanatic, and I believe he's combative. He 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 really does struggle to pass a ball. Um, he's not. He's he can win. <laughs> John's laughing now. He can win the ball, but he does. He makes a lot of mistakes and passing the ball, ten, fifteen yards consistently, and he's not. Yeah, and I know he chipped in with a few goals uh, the last couple of seasons, but not. So does so does Smith. Combat. I think you can only afford to have one player that's combative and offers little else. And to me, Butterfield, Weston, and Smith are all just combative midfield players. Um. I would definitely keep Rowley. Interestingly for me, you might remember, guys, that under Martin Allen, Martin Allen chose to play him. I call it a quarterback. I know there's not such a position in, in football, but he sat him in front of the back four and Joe was just stitching stitching things together. Um, and it, I thought it was actually very impressive in that role. Um, I feel sorry for Joe because they've played him in every single position and a player needs an opportunity to play in their best position and to be given a chance in that best position. And I think if any of us were to, to discuss now, I mean, what I'll throw the question out. What is Joe Rowley's best position? Would any of you, would any of you say for certain, having seen him play in so many different roles, which is his best position? John, what? what I, well, I, I like the, if you were playing a, a four, four, two, a four back four, I'd put Joe sat in front of the back four. Yeah. He'd pick a lot of ball up. He has the capability to pass out from there, which we needed. E.g. is not Sam Morsi, but Sam Morsi position. Yeah. Holding midfield. So not he's not combative, but he can do that. Um, and he, he possibly could play in a number 10. Yeah. Yeah, that's a right. Alternative. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Chris was absolutely nail on head with, You've got players like him, you've got to give them nine or ten games. He's not going to feel his way back in a game. He's just not. He's just not going to get he's not going to get confident enough because you can see he's quite, if dare say this, not insulting the boy, but that weak, quite quite mentally um, you know, fractured. Fragile. Fragile. Fragile, yeah. yeah. So I would like to think that, you know, he's a player that, you know, I think that needs the confidence of having a run of games. And Probably out of the two, David, I think sticking him in front of a back four could be his ideal position. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely saw that under Allen. He played him a couple of times in that position. And I thought I thought he looked very comfortable on the ball, being able to take the ball in either direction. His, his short passing is decent. His fitness yeah. levels were decent. He got a decent engine on him. I think he's young enough for us to still work on his on his temperament, you know, on, on his mental strength. Mental strength you know, there's yeah. some very good sports psychologists out there that could help him with that. Um, he's still got room to beef up slightly. Probably putting half a stone on him weight wouldn't be a bad thing for him. Um, the other players that, you know, so for me, it's Denton, Weston, Rowley, Rawson. I'd actually keep Scott Bowden, interestingly. 
Because I believe, I believe, you know, I think, I think the only thing that Scott con- is capable of contributing is goals. I don't think that um, you're going to pick Scott for his general contribution to the team. But I think if you're playing him in the right formation with the right players around him, and you're creating chances, he, he does, he does have that kind of positional nous that I think a striker needs. So I'd I keep him for that reason. Two games will help Scott now. Two goals in two, two games. Two goals, two games. Yeah. I think Scott's a confidence player, isn't he? Yeah. I think so, Alan, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two, uh, two, two will do him good. Yeah, I agree with that. Hutchison, I keep. Mandeville, I've got a question mark against him because a bit like Chris, I've seen him have the odd game where he's come on and he's really looked to affect the game. He's got on the ball and he's one of the few players that we've got that seems comfortable actually running with the ball. But again, he'll play He'll play once for, for 20 minutes and then you won't see a performance from him for another three games. Yeah. It's no good. And we've seen it for too long now. Um, the final thing adds Tyson's obviously... If we would have been able to keep him fit, what you know, his pace at this level, fantastic. The only other thing I'm going to throw in, and this is based on on me seeing him, how good he is in the air, but also the goal he scored against Aldershot. John Duncan was famous for taking players and moving him into another position because you know they were better. Tony Coyle would be a great example. Him, remember he changed Tony Coyle from being a winger to a fullback. There wasn't a better fullback than Tony Coyle in my experience. I reckon, I reckon um, Evo, um, Evans would be good up front. And if you saw the goal that he scored against uh, Aldershot, where he brought it down, cut inside one way and finished with his other foot, <laughs> it's worth a try. He's probably too late <laughs> in his career now, but so but but Will Evans a centre forward and Tom Denton at centre half. Give give Will <laughs> Evans a try. <laughs> give Will <laughs> Evans a try at centre forward. You, we might be surprised. Anyway, okay, guys. So that that's you know, I think our collective verdict on the quality we've got currently is quite damning. I think we all. I think that would probably mirror what the fans say in the group as well, which get rid of have a clear out. I think we often see that. I want to move now on to tactics and formation for success in this in this league, and I appreciate that a team has to set up tactically with and make the best of the players that, that they've got. But there has been a view, and you've heard managers say it, that you can't play pretty football to get out of this league. But interestingly, that's exactly what Barrow did. They played football, played out from the back, kept possession. And not only, you know, we're entertaining and and, and winning. Is that a one-off in the same way that Leicester won the Premiership and it was a one-off? Is being able to win the, the National League playing football a one-off? John, I'm going to come to you first as the as the professional qualified coach amongst us. Can you play football as opposed to direct route stuff to get out of this league? Well, I, I spoke to Evo um, about his team. I just wanted to see what his um, you know logic was and what what had what had made them so hard to beat and go on the run that they went on that eventually got them promoted. And I got a quite simple answer, and Chris has covered this. He says, John, we're just fitter than everybody else in the division. Yeah, definitely. That's all he said. Absolutely. He said, he said now, I don't think Ever was the greatest trainer, but when he went to Barrow, he thought, if I get these up, I'll get a move to the league. I'll get the move to a bigger club, which he has, of course. So he said, I insist the team train six days a week. I thought, well, we wouldn't have got you to do that, Ian, when you were a player, but that aside. <laughs> no, no, no. He, but he, he said, and he went and made them train six days a week. And if you looked at their stats, 
they won about 70% of their games in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Always. And got them out of the division. So when you looked, but you looked at the team on paper and you thought, well, they haven't got anybody really outstanding that you think, oh, he's, he's now, apart from maybe Rooney mm. um, and the other guy, the centre forward whose name escapes me. Um, they've got it's some, you know, they've got a couple of players, guys, that we almost drilled out of the football club. Um, you yeah, know, Josh, Josh, Josh K, Brad Barry, Sam Heard. Right. Sam Heard, so yeah. Guys that the fans gen- genuinely... Byron, Byron Harrison. Yeah, but he made them harder to beat and he made them ultra fit. So when they played anybody, in fact, if anybody was at the game when they came to Chesterfield, they should have been 4-0 up, be at the bar about four times consecutively. And they looked a yard quicker to first and second ball. So Evo applied what I call the Paul Cook culture, full width of the pitch, moving the ball with tempo and having a very mobile front two players that could get the ball to their feet quick and also second press on the ball when they lost possession. Mm. Very simple tactics, but oddly, not many other people in the division sort of picked up on it. So he got these very average players, got an extra yard out of them, and he played what he'd been taught to play under Paul Cook and under probably managers before him. So you can play football. In fact, you know, people have said today about Tim Flowers. Well, Tim Flowers filled Solihull Moors with six foot six players and just played a long ball. So he would be the last person I would want as manager because he thinks that's the way to get out of the division. I prefer to go with Ian Everts. uh, Currently, according to the fans poll, Tim Flowers is fourth in the league table from 300 fans that have currently voted with 31 votes. Um, and he, I absolutely agree with you. He, he does. He is a direct, Definitely. physical long ball merchant. I, I agree yeah. with you on that. So yeah. the key thing, the key thing that we're going back to the tactics and formation. The key thing that you're endorsing, then, John, if we use Barrow as an example, is have the fittest players. Make yeah. sure that get them training hard. Make sure that they're, they're fitter than the opposition, because you've got a chance of wearing the team down in the last few minutes and scoring a goal. Funnily enough, that's what how many how many last minute goals or late goals do Liverpool get? Yeah, is, is no I'm coincidence. How many did Man U get? Yeah, it's <laughs> no coincidence, is it? No, not look. They can play. Chance. They can play for ninety minutes. Okay, and and what we're hearing is like have mobile strikers and 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 stretch the pitch out. The other, I don't know, if you can remember this. I used to sit behind Paul Cook when he was there. I was behind him. You remember this, Chris? We could see and hear him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And. And all you'd hear Cookie was saying, get tighter, get tighter, get tighter, get tighter. Closing the opposition down, giving them no room to play. Yeah, and pass. And pass, pass, yeah. pass, yeah. pass it, pass it, pass it, you know. And- I think some great players, Dave, of it is, you know, that get flustered when they've got a man who's super fit and he won't leave them alone. They get, it doesn't matter how good they are. So what we touched on earlier there, you know, I, I had this wrote down from the beginning. I mean, I played for a manager, you know, at this level, lower level, but I can remember... Even at that level, it was Division One Saturday. There were still some good sides, you know. And, and he'd say, at first month in summer, he wouldn't bring the ball. And we used to look at him and go, what are you on about? It's football. What are you on about? Not having a ball. And he, he wouldn't bring the ball. And he yeah. said, no. And all he did, we got us running at Middlecroft, 100-metre sprints, 800 metres in two minutes, you've got to do up and down bankings till we were sick for four weeks. But that team won a lot of games in the last 10 minutes. And that goes at any level. Any level, if, if you get yourself fitter than every other team, we will win games in the last 20 minutes that and can be worth 15 points, 20 points mm. a season. So, Definitely. so John, 
definitely, you know, primarily about fitness. You can play a passing football in John's opinion. Chris agrees. Fitness key. Alan Wilkinson, your thoughts on, on tactics formations? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I played to a fellow decent standard school. My, my, my old school teacher would say to me, pass to your own shirt first. Pass and move, pass and move, pass and move, and make sure you find your own shirt. That's all. It's the simple things in football that make football look good. Uh, yeah, I agree with John. I, I would possibly go at the moment, we had go 4 4 2. But yeah. can any of us name a back four we can rely on? Possibly not. That's not part of the problem. But yeah, four 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 two for me, two banks of four, or even five three two. And then when they've got the ball, you drop into a defensive eight. I watch. I mean, it's a different genre. But I watched Spain the other night. Consummate ease playing on the ball, and then when the opposition got the ball, they got eight men behind the ball. They still made it look attractive. So for me at the moment, four four two. But God, goodness knows who's going to play back for you can rely on. But four four two. You've got the press. I don't know if you've noticed on your streams, Wheelston played a high back four. And when we had the ball, even from a free kick in, in our own half, they were like a 20-yard box. That was it. All you've got to play on because they were playing high and you've got to play through them rather than knock it. You've got to play through them. And that's not what we're capable of doing. We need something that can play through and something that can run in behind and, and take them all on, which at the moment we, we simply haven't got. 4-4-2 four, four, for me, two banks of four, dropping to eight or even nine when they've got the ball. But make it simple and easy. The, the best beauty football... He's, even John Shonen said that. He said, if we're chasing the ball, we're not doing the job right. When we've got the ball, we don't have to run miles. If you're playing it the simple way, then it looks good. But 4-4-2 four, four, for me, two banks of four, and we just simply need to dig some results out. Okay. Well, that's good. So in summary of that section then, fitter players, we like the idea collectively of 4-4-2, four, four, stretching the pitch, playing wide, passing it, moving it at a tempo, um, Barrow proved you can get out of this league playing that way. That's what we're endorsing. We'd like to see. Now I'm just going to make you manager now, guys. Onto the we've got two subjects left. One is the positions that we would need to fill if we got the choice of bringing five players in. We know, you know, even though all of us would clear out, apart from the, the few we've mentioned, we know we can't do that this season. They're under contract. It won't be easy to move players on. I think the new manager will be allowed to bring five players in. There'll probably be a couple that get moved out. If you were manager, who would those five players, What not necessarily who, because obviously finding availability, but what type of player, what positions? I'm going to start with you, John. What would you do with this current squad? Wow, well, I'll probably need more than five, but I'm going to go with a... If we're going to... We'll stick with, we need Yeah, crack, I need 11. Um, I'm going to go with uh, left back, um, centre mid, centre back. We're struggling with terribly because um, Will's either out of form or lost confidence. Um, we've got to get some width in the team because we haven't got anybody stretching the pitch, anybody with any pace that's prepared to take a full back on. I can't think of anybody. So we'd, we'd, I'd want wingers at both sides, left and right. And um, we've got no Nathan Tyson. Scotty's, I know you like Scott, guys, but for me, lost a yard from last year. So I'd like a centre forward. So two wingers, a centre mid, uh, a centre forward. And, a, and and if I really, you know, really somebody that's got a, a quite a strong leader that can sit in at centre back, and start to marshal the defence and stop us conceding goals. Okay, that's nice and clear, Chris. 
Uh, I'll make it a bit easier for us how to, uh, how to do this. I'll use players that we all know very well. I know we're not going to get these players, obviously, but <laughs> I'll just say, just to make it easy, but at this level, if, you, if you're building a team, you've got Schmeichel. As a, you know, you get my point. I don't mean we're going to get Schmeichel, but it's a goalkeeper. You've got to have a goalkeeper with confidence that Sharks organisers. And then I'll go for, say, a real Ferdinand. You've got to have somebody who can tidy up at back. When you make a mistake, pace gets you out of trouble. And we'll go into the middle of the field and we'll say, let's say Keane, Keane and Scholes. You've got your ball winner. You've got your man who can pass it when he gives it him. And then if we chuck a winger in, let's say Giggs. And all right, I'll go for number six. Let's say Alan Shearer. So you need a goal scorer because if you play rubbish all game, but you, you work hard and you fit, you can still nick the game. If you've got a good winger, you've got to have somebody to get crosses. You've got to get crosses into the box. They can, mistakes can happen when crosses go into the box. Got to have your ball winner. Got to have a centre-half that's going to do what Nicky Law said. And, and Nicky Law, you know, what we said earlier, John, you've got to have somebody who will put their head in, no matter whether they're going to get blue three teeth or whatever. And that's your spine of your team. And that's what you need. You need a winger, some sort of winger. You need a, you need a goal scorer. You've got to have somebody who can get a goal, no matter how rubbish he is, for 90 minutes, he can score a goal. Um, ball-winning midfielder, somebody who can pass it, which we talked about, Rowley. So it's just finding a team plus a winger. So thanks for that, Chris. Um, Alan, you've you've uh, watched the club more than any any of us this last uh, couple of years. Yeah, look at me. What uh, <laughs> your manager? I've just made you manager, Alan. Right. I'm, I'm, um, I'm John Crew. I've told you you can bring five positions in, five players. Which positions do you fill? Well, first of all, I want to ask John: Do you think this this keeper would stick around this competition for Leatherham? Would he push Leatherham for number one spot? Uh, I say that. As my first comment, John, what do you think? The big lad from Barnsley. Yeah. Um, I, I, he was playing in the under-23s, Al, and I would suspect... They've only just signed him, you know, from Coventry in September. Yeah, yeah. But obviously he was at Arsenal at 16, and he's, yeah. I would think that um, he wouldn't be available to us long-term. I think Barnsley might want him back. But what about might the rest of this season? Him. So... Um, it'd be unusual to sign somebody for money in September and then move them to a National League club permanent. Mm-hmm. It's a 28-day Well, I'll I tell you what about Leatherham, while we're on the subject. Um, he can't catch a ball, can he? No. Particularly not from the left-hand side, his right. <laughs> yeah. He, he punches everything, um, which really surprises me. Yeah. Well, um, if you're good at it, it's not so bad. Yeah, I think he's here for I think he's here for another three games. So that is probably a good thing for us because we did need. It was starting to worry me. Well, Would this young lad be available rest of the season, John? Do you think? Uh, poss- uh, well, I think Al. It will very much depend upon the relationship the new manager has with yeah. um, the manager of Barnsley. Barnsley and of course, yeah. Pembo um, has got a relationship with the chap that runs under twenty threes. So because. Dylan Wharton's not going to push Leatherham, is he? No, no, no. But we've got Coddy. That's, that's me. That's me thought on that one. So yeah. I would need a keeper that's going to either push Leatherham. Okay, or, you've got four positions. Four positions left, Alan. A keeper, yeah. Yeah, I'd want yeah. a stopper. Yeah. Centre half. Yeah. Yeah. I'd want to definitely a ball winner. Yeah. Uh, if if I, I'll, I'll do what Chris did, keeper, I'd want somebody to push. I mean, bonus could be Coddington. Could could possibly be fit, but Blatherwick at centre half. Yeah. Possibly even even Sam Heard at the side of him, they could play it out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, obviously, Sammy at middle at Park, we can fetch Carrie. 
straight about. And up front, if you want a winger that can score cutting and score goals, and he's free, Craig Davis. Old, but somebody that, that well, the job that Craig Davis did as a winger who could beat a man, he could also come in and unleash it from 30 yards and score goals. He's done, Alan. He's done, Alan. He's yeah, done. but I'm thinking a young Craig Davis that could do that job. Oh, sorry, sorry, I get you now. Yeah, 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 he's he's yeah. he's 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 injury prone, isn't he? I think he's. Oh yeah, his yeah. Injuries finished him, I think. Can and I just a right back, Alan? Yeah. Um, I had a little whisper that Sam Erd would come back if we suddenly made him an offer. What manager or player? <laughs> player. <laughs> I think player. Yeah, but I'd 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 have Sam back. Mm. Why not? Yeah. Good footballer. He's not in the yeah. team at Barrow. Good footballer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Horrendous injury. I suppose he wouldn't be a. Yeah. Sam, if Sam come back here, I would make him captain. He'd be a leader. Yeah, mm. I'd, I'd have Sam Heard back today. I'd go and fetch him yeah. myself. So, my two Pennethworth guys, the goalkeeper position is problematic. I haven't actually included that in my five, but it is problematic. And, and Leather and, and I, you know, none of us, I think we're all gentlemen on here, and none of us want to be saying anything cruel about, about anybody. Um, but they, I mean, I've seen most games through streaming. And the games I haven't seen, I've watched the replays on YouTube. And uh, he's incredibly weak in, in defending his right-hand side, yeah. um, the opposition's left flank. You know, a lot of the goals we concede have come, crosses coming into the box from that side. Obviously, the, the goal that he let in was from the other side. It was someone cutting in from the left, his his um, his left. Um, and I, well, I don't know what he was doing. He was watching the cross, I think, thinking someone was going to head it. And and just let it go in the net, and then the punch punch out to the player again. Stockport, he, he's just looked generally vulnerable and weak, and doesn't like catching the ball. The yeah. the defenders don't seem like they trust him. Ironically, um, not a bad shot stopper, pulled off a few good saves, but yeah. it's no it's no good. Um, it's, it's a bit like Pickford, isn't it, Chris? It's no good pulling yeah, off saves it's and no, then, yeah, then, it's no good making three good saves and then dropping a ball in net or dropping it at strikers' feet. You've wasted your three good saves. You so, like so goalkeeper problematic, but I haven't included that in my five. I would definitely have two ball playing central midfield players, and I say two not because we can necessarily fit two in the side, but I think it's no good just having one. That one gets injured and you've got no cover. So I think we need two ball-playing midfield. What do I mean by ball-playing midfield players? I mean someone that can actually pick a pass, that can cut. I know Louis Reed was part of the relegation uh, team, but Louis Reed as a midfield player with the right players around him could actually pass a ball. He could run at a defender. He could take a free kick. It was the all-round thing. Probably too slight, too slight, too small, actually. But someone that could actually... Pass a ball either side. No one to slow play down. <clears throat> you know, we don't have that. We just don't have that midfield player at the club. Centre half, I think we need a tall, quick centre half. Someone that is reasonably good in the air. But more important than that for me is pace. The ability to get back and recover. We don't have enough pace in the back. Um, I would have, I'd love to have six players, but we're not going to get six. Because if I had six, I'd have two wide players. Um, I've actually only got one wide player here. And that would be someone that's probably predominantly one-sided but could switch flanks if needs be, that's tricky and is able to get... We don't have a player that can get to the byline and pull the ball back. Most of the, most of the supply into the front line is a ball from the halfway line or halfway in between their half that's played 
in that you know in 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 a forward direction we're never getting to the byline and put pulling the ball back you know we just don't have that player so I, i'd have two I, i'd have one player that could do that and then finally and you may or may not agree on this and it, uh, this is not the player that we, we obviously can't get him back now but i actually did like the fitness the athleticism and the unpredictability of fondop um i think fondop was he got the goals he got a good goal to return ratio but i'll tell you what the the opposition defenders didn't know how to handle him he got sent off again other night didn't he he didn't yeah. know what he was going to do himself but he got he got the goals a bit like Nanjale. Nanjale went on to become a good player, didn't he, for Blackpool? Yeah, he did, but, yeah. But, but Fondop, for me, a player like him, what I would call a marauding striker, fit, quick, you know, decent in the air, that can actually, you know, do a bit of everything. We, we Again, we if you look at what we've got now, we all know what Tom Denton brings us. He doesn't bring us mobility. He brings us aerial ability. Scott brings us finishing if if chances are served up to him. We've got to be creating chances to have a Scott Bowden in the team. Kawamu, the jury's out for me. Is he a striker or a wide player? You know, he seems to play more play more of as a, as a wide player than an out and out striker. I don't know whether you know this, but when he was fourteen, he could run a hundred meters in ten point six seconds at fourteen year old. It's so he's slow, definitely yeah. he's definitely quick. But I think he had a debilitating illness, didn't he, uh, when he was at Chelsea and Donny? That took him a long time to recover from. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you know, jury's out for me on him. So for that reason, I'd have I'd have a I'd have a marauding striker. It's going to be interesting because I think whoever the new manager is is going to is going to need to be given the opportunity to bring five players in. Would you agree with that, guys? Absolutely. Yeah, possibly. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think fond of what you said. When I seen him, he looked a looked a steady player. But again, I think uh, it's all about that system. You know. Every player that I've seen that we've talked about that we think's not a bad player, it's just getting them in the right system to give them that run again. So we've got a bit, so people know what runs he's making and who's going to, you know, and they all should be able to pick a pass for 15, 20 yard day at that level. But I know they can't, but they should. So, you know. Now, this is the subject to finish off the podcast, gentlemen, because we've been at it for uh, um, an hour and 15 now. And I think 90 minutes attention spans probably as long as we're going to get from some of our fans. It's um, just from me. <laughs> uh, and 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 but this is the burning question now brilliantly timely for for a, a podcast to debate about who the new manager is now i'll preempt this discussion or who the new manager might be or who the new candidates for this might be i'll preempt that by giving you some staggering facts since paul cook left what was it five years ago probably five years ago the summer into yeah five years ago we've had if you count caretakers 11 managers in five um, yeah. years. Um, yeah. So we've had Dean Saunders, Danny Wilson, Col- Gary Caldwell, Jack Lester, Martin Allen, John Sheridan, John Pemberton. And uh, and as caretakers, we had Ian Everett, Richie Humphreys, don't forget. And now this Saturday, we've got Dung- Dungworth. So Touching that point, Dave, I don't think we've ever really had right manager. I know that's easy to say when they've had to leave and not have results, but I don't think we have. Right manager. Well, you know what's interesting, guys, and this is this is really interesting for fans because some fans would sack any manager that lost three games in a row. You can't do that, obviously. No. You know, there does come a point when if a manager's lost 10, 12 games in a row, you have to ask yourself, whoa, this is, you know, that's almost half the games in a season. That's catastrophic, isn't it? But you can't sack a manager for losing three games in a row. And there is that mentality. You know, you watch with the new manager, 
a small proportion of our fans, if the manager loses the first four games, sack him. That's what we're going to hear, and you can't. But, You'll always get that from fans, though, Dave, won't you? You'll always so, get fans. Well, share. Just a thought, guys. So, amongst the managers that we've had which who failed, and I would say this, none of them have failed through lack of budget. All of them have admitted that, by the way. Um, including the likes of Gary Corwell, Jack Lester, Martin Allen and Sheridan, all said they'd had a more than acceptable competitive budget. The only one that actually semi-complained about the budget has been Pemberton, who said, you know, the budget's tight. Everybody else believed that they had. And, you know, I, I have an unreasonably good authority that the budget we've had for the last three or four years has been top six budget, whichever league we've been in. So it's not about money. Now, the other thing I'd say is managers that, that we've had, Danny Wilson took Barnsley to the Premiership. Um, John Sheridan had success with us. He took Plymouth to the playoffs. He's rescued a few clubs that looked on the brink of going out of divisions. He's become a bit of a journeyman manager now, hasn't he? He's almost like club after club after club. But you know, if you look what he did when, when, uh, when Dave Allen brought him in, he actually did turn us around, and if you just looked at our form, it was promotion-winning form, you know, when he first joined us. Um, Caldwell had a little bit of success. I know it was short-term at, at Wigan. Um, and Martin Allen had really good win ratio and, and had had success uh, in the lower leagues and took Barnet to promotion. So even though we've had managers that with a proven track record and they've had the budget, what that's telling us is there's no guarantees that whoever we bring in is going to have success. So with that in mind, the candidates that, and these are all kind of self-generated in the fans group, but we've got 300 votes so far. Nicky Law's leading the way with nine around 90 votes. Then you've got Ian Everett that's under contract to Bolton, so we're not going to get, but he's obviously a favourite with 70. Cookie, everybody knows that there's no chance of him. It's a miracle if they can pull that one off. They'd have to offer him 20% of the club, I think, uh, to come back. But 58. Then you've got Tim Flowers, for me, worryingly on 31. And then you've got the Cowley guy, the, the guy that did well for Lincoln and got fired from Huddersfield recently. And then Graham Alexander, who, as you know, was fired by Salford. Um, so that's where the voting goes so far. Obviously, there's just fans' opinions. It counts for nothing. But, John, is there anybody that you know, a manager that's available or could be available right now that you think could come in and have a very strong chance of turning us around and making us a competitive side? I am going to hang my hat fully, and Alan's going to know what I'm going to say, on Curtis Woodhouse at Gainsborough. I, he's also uh, highly reinforced by... Shinner, who's obviously first team performance coach at Derby. Shane's a big fan of Curtis. I'll tell you why. Um, we, we are going to have to get somebody in there now that's got aspirations of becoming a league manager, i.e. like Evo, who probably not had an opportunity at this level before. Yeah. Not the journeyman that have had several opportunities. I know what he's done at Gainsbury. I mean, he took the he took the job in 2019, average age of about 36. They were second bottom. He got them to ninth, and then the budget was slashed because of COVID, and 90% of the squad who he'd signed just walked. 
but he got rid of all the, uh, including Ross Hanna, actually, he got rid of all the mid-30 age players and brought some legs to the team with the lowest budget in the league. And then um, COVID it again, and then he's lost his squad again twice in, in, in 12 months because they've walked and gone to other teams. Um, three points outside the playoffs. And before that, he did exactly the same as Tadcaster. They were flooded in the, 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 the sort of 2018 floods. And when he inherited the team, he got four players and he got them to win the playoffs as well. And that's what got him the Gainsborough job. World Championship boxer, so says a lot about his discipline, his mentality and his drive and his determination. He's really hungry for an opportunity. And I think he would bring players to Chesterfield and a culture to get us out of that league. So I'm... I'm fully behind. I mean, at the moment, he's got a centre-half at Gainsborough that played 36 games last season for Boston, who got to the playoff North um, playoffs, uh, Conference North playoffs, and he would walk into the Chessfield team. Um, he's much better than anything we've got. So I'm... Uh, and finally, just, to, just to, to give him another recommendation, he's done work for Chris Wilder at Sheffield United. Obviously, he knows Chris very, very well. Chris rates him very highly um, and he probably will help. I don't know this for sure, but probably would put a word in for him or recommend him. That'll be down to Curtis and, and Chris, but he actually done analytical work for Sheffield United. So I, I think he's everything we need at this stage in our, in our history. Okay, well, thank you for that, John. I mean, I actually know Curtis. I mean, Chris and I went to used to when Dave Cole used to be not just a trainer but a promoter. We went, you know, I've I've seen um, I've seen Curtis fight, um, yeah. and I've seen Curtis at um, at boxing events and million pound footballer, as you know, for Sheffield United. I think he left United for Birmingham for a million quid, wasn't he? If my memory serves me right, and everybody thought, wow, he gave up his professional football career to become a boxer. Yes. You know? um, yeah. And that's, what's interesting about that is unless you can become a world champion boxer, you know, you're never going to make more money as a middle of the road boxer as you are going to, as a footballer, you know, a steady 10 grand a week, but he gave up his professional football career to become a boxer. And he did, I think he won the English title, didn't he? Yeah. British. Yeah. British. Yeah. So uh, it's, in terms of his attitude and his attributes, um, I, absolutely. I, I don't know anything about his football in managerial career. When you mentioned it in the fans group, John, I did go and have a look, um, you know, and you've obviously given us more substance. You know, he's had real adversity with with the challenges at Gainsborough, but he's managed to, he's managed to get a competitive team together despite yeah. all of that. Let's see. Let's see whether the powers that be at Chessville. So if it weren't, for, if it weren't, weren't him, John, and you'd have to say he'd be a very much an outside bet, wouldn't he? Given um, would the fans be happy with someone like him, particularly coming from Sheffield, as you know, some of our fans you know, <laughs> would like every single manager to uh, to be from Chesterfield or North East Derbyshire, ideally. Um, is there anybody else that you would think that you know is available that that is? is yeah, I've, I've looked at Liam's um, post on Twitter today, and there's been quite a few um, sort of left side. Um, applications, you know, ex-players and so on. I suppose, oh dear, I don't think we'd get the Cowley brothers. I suppose they're aiming higher. Yeah. For the move to the championship. They did a job at Lincoln, did it very, very well. 
but then obviously moved up and got found out as often happens. Yeah. So um, they'd probably be out of reach, but I'm, I, I, I think where we're at, um, I can't see beyond Curtis. I think that looking at his mentality and his drive and how, how, how ambitious he is, it's one route we've never been down, David. And I think it's now the time to go down that route. And do you think something. what you know about him is he is he tactically? Oh yeah, yeah, he's tactically. Actually, believe it or not, he did his he did his um, he did his A license with Evo. Okay. <laughs> At the same time, um, works his players hard, demands absolute commitment from them, um, because like Evo, he wants to get on. Yeah. So I'd have him in, and he. The other thing, it can work with peanuts. It can yeah. work with a low budget. Um, he, he just feels he can get that extra yard out of players. But we've never been down that route. That the sort of somebody from a bit lower down, but they've still got those great attributes. So I think that now, you know, if you said to him, "Well, come in, look, we'll give you, to, we'll give you to the end of the season," and then you've got a year, you've got a contract after that if you if, if you, you prove yourself. Yeah. So then we, we've not got to fall into this trap again of hopefully never again, of committing huge uh, contractual situations like we find ourselves in with Sheridan, where we owe him six figures. We're a club that can't afford to do that. Um, and I think, you know, he would jump at that. And let's face it, he's going to need to be successful. He's got to be. So like some of these other guys, like Tim Flowers, if it doesn't work, it's not yeah, going to really affect They're probably financially free. Yes. Or rather yeah. not financially challenged, <laughs> whereas you sense that Curtis is probably still a young man relatively, isn't he? And he, he wants to make... And, and he's got a desire, clearly, to achieve things. That's why he gave up football to become a boxer, because he felt he had a chance of being, being a champion. And he achieved that. He was a British champion. Alan, so John's nailing Curtis Weston very firmly to the mast. Who for you, mate? Who would be the next Chesterfield manager if you if it was your choice from the the different people that are available? You there, Alan? Well, I think all the names <laughs> mentioned. I think all the names that have mentioned won't won't be there. I had a name mentioned to me last night, John Ian Coulbrenhouse at Kings Lynn. Um. <clears> hmm. <throat> yeah, but he's only just into. His career in the National League with Kings Lynn, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, what about the guy at Altrincham that one did us the other night, Phil Parkinson, done a good job on no money. Yeah, well, I, I put a, I put a defender to him, Phil, uh, about pre-season, but they're a poor side, Alan Altrincham, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, I, I would say they're. You know, anyway, I, I, Jeff, I believe we would win there. Yeah. So um, we had to be really poor not to beat Altrincham. Bear in mind they'd lost the last four on the trot. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had to the be two guys at Chester. Oh well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. No, other guys I've spoke to, but they, um, no, I, I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure kicking the dressing room door in is the route we want to go. No. Um, obviously made famous by <laughs> the wall Salford. You know what I mean, John. John, you know Nicky. You know Nicky better than I. Would he leave the security of Burnley to come back? He's got a very, very cushy number, as Nick. That's um, exactly what I mean. And would he want the aggregate? You see, that's the difference. The point I've just been making to David is: Do they really? Do they need to be successful? 
and as, or as that as that as that ship sailed, I want somebody with ambition and has really got. They've got to do it, or it's going to affect them personally. We've never gone down that route. We keep taking people round and round and round. Nothing to go ask Nicky, but you know, I just wonder. I like Nick a lot. I think he'd get you there, but is, is he going to be hungry enough to want to do it? Um, one of the first names mentioned last night was scary, that Dino Marmy. He, he did nothing at Oldham and nothing at Stevenage, did he? Not scary, that one. Definitely not. And if they, te- if they, if they employ Graham Wesley, then I'm, I'm going to put me... Well, no, I don't long... want Graham Wesley. No, no, no. Well, he's a total long ball merchant, isn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah. Six foot, six and... foot, six inch players, long ball, you know, beat, beat you to death on the park. <laughs> Yeah, thugs. Um, so we, come on, Al, come on, Alan. You know you, well, you you you're throwing names in. We we need you to nail your colours to the mast in the same way that John has. Well, I don't think any of them that's, that's on the list will get it. I don't think Nicky will come back. Evo will not come back. Um, definitely not Paul Cook. That, that's Cloud Cook who will Yeah, Kirsty. I, I know Kirsty. So I've, I've I've spent time. He's certainly a winner. Um, I think it may be something that we're not even... I mean, the guy Halifax, he's been mentioned. Why would he leave Halifax to come to us? But yeah, probably Curtis, give him a chance and uh, see what he does. But I certainly don't think it'll be anybody that's connected. I don't want anybody that's connected to the club in any shape or form. I want a fresh, a, a, a new broom, a fresh broom, no friends, no allies, no sentiment that's capable of kicking some backsides big time. And probably okay. Curtis, Curtis will certainly kick backsides. So uh, <laughs> let's wait and see, yeah. Chris? John Stevenson for the kind of order paying. <laughs> um, I think like what John's touched on there, I mean, I know Curtis Woodhouse, like I said, as you know, we do through boxing and what he did to give up that amount of money to go and be a boxer, to be a British champion, shows desire and everything that you've just said you're looking for. And and I got him down as one of the people I'd heard were available. And when John's just told me a bit more and what he's done, because I didn't know everything he'd done, except for being the boxing and professional football at Sheffield United in Birmingham. I didn't know the Chris Wilder things and all that. I got it. I, I agree with guys. I think I think that you do, you know, we've said about getting wrong manager and football we've played and all big payoffs. You know, your Danny Wilsons, your Sheridans, all these players that's played in, in great teams and, and come and failed. And and even if they've had success somewhere else, listen, you can go to one club and have success and then go somewhere else and not have success because sometimes that's about luck. And, and, you know, even in football, you can have a bit of luck and just drop out right team that suits the right manager and get a reaction and have a good year. But to consistently, out of them players we all mentioned, who's consistently done it? Not None of them. And, but, and like John says, you know, somebody like Curtis that, need, you know, that's upcoming and wants to succeed, got desire, um, it, it's a good shot. I think, I think I'd jump... I'd say women. I'd I'd got low down, you know, and and I think even people like John Duncan, you know, not to to manage because I don't think that's even realistic. But I've always believed that them people who love club and have been most successful at club, we should make sure they're invited to club and we get their experience from them. And you know, he he got a team that he always got a team because I was laughing earlier on some Alan said when or you said it, Dave, on what John Duncan turned people into. Now, John Duncan turned Stevie Norris from a striker into a golfer. Right? <laughs> yes, he did. Right? He did and I'll tell you why. Because, at, and I know conversation they had, we've, we've had many a conversation over this. And he said, and Steve Norris could put ball in there. He was nippy and he could yeah, put yeah. ball in there. Like he had his injuries. But Nozer would always say, they had, they had a chat one day and he said, boss, you know, what is it? Why don't you like me? Why don't you put me in team? And he says, I, I, you know, my record, I score one every two games. 
Mm. And John Duncan turned around and said, Nozzy, I know that. He goes, but in my team, you need to score one every game. Because John Duncan knew what Tony Loma brought, and you see how successful it were. That's when they had the 23 games unbeaten, you know, when we only lost, when Reeves scored two, when we lost to Carlisle after 20, you know, we ended up in playoffs. But John Duncan, even though he knew that Nozzy couldn't give him what Loma could give him to win that league, uh, or, you know, or to get promotion. And he went with Tony Loma and Nozzy, he used to say to him, I'm wanting to get off on golf course, pal, you're all right. And in the end of Nozzy at Chesterfield, even though he scored goals, and it takes a brave man to do that because they're a crowd favourite. And I think we've got to suck on their experience. If you get somebody like Curtis Woodard, as well as he's done, and I didn't know he'd done as well as what John said on, on that, somebody hungry who's going to get best. He's always been a fit lad. He's done boxing, so he's always fit. Uh, looked after himself and and get some people like you know somebody like John Duncan as an advisory. Ask him if he would be. In. I mean, I spoke to John today. He said I said about your podcast and I said, would you be interested? Come on, give some input. And he said, yeah, and he tell him. You know, well, so, let's have him next podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah he wants to do John it. John Duncan, so, special guest yeah. on the next podcast. Yeah, and that you know, and that's to give input. He's a, he's a, he's a man who knows how to keep clean sheets, and no matter what, and that's what we need at the minute. Then we'll win game. Well, I know he's, uh, you, you were mentioning him about him being poorly, um, Chris. And, um, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure his love and, and respect for Chesterfield will probably be enough for him to have a chat with a, a coach about the, de- about the defensive side of the game. Um, yeah. I'm going to um, throw you my suggestions now, guys. Uh, I do. By the way, I completely agree with the philosophy and the view, the rationale behind bringing a hungry young manager in that wants to succeed, that that actually wants professional success and doesn't have a massive nest egg. I don't get the impression that Curtis has sat on a lot of cash because um, he, he he didn't he achieve heady heights in in boxing. He wouldn't have, boxing's hard to make money unless you're a world champion, guys. As you know, you're going to struggle to make money as a boxer as a British champion. So I think I think the professional desire. And the financial desire, which it could, of course, if he brought success to Chesterfield, he would get an opportunity with a bigger club. So I completely get the rationale behind that. Do I think the current board would go for that? Probably not. Um, if I were given a choice and we could manage to afford it, my choice would be Steve Watson at York. Mm. That That's who my choice would be. And my second choice would be the, 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 the Cowley guy from Lincoln. I like the Cowley I think to John Stevenson's point, they'll be shooting a lot higher than us. Um, I think they'll probably get a job in the league sooner or later. Yeah. But I do, I do, I do think Steve Watson um, has got a good footballing philosophy. Uh, he's been in this league for, for quite some time. He wasn't a superstar as a player. You know, he's probably still got a need to earn and a hunger. He doesn't. He's not far away from us geographically, so it wouldn't be a great wrench to pull him away. Um, Why him though, Dave? If he's been in division a long time, what what's pointed you to him? You just study. If you just study the, you know what he's done with York. I mean, they were on a they were on a flat spin, yeah. and he still he started to turn them around. And the other, you know, I, you know, we can only have one. So for me, my one would be Watson, followed by Cowley's. But you know, the one, the other one, I'd I'd be prepared to give a shot shot to, and it's similar to the Curtis Woodhouse story. Uh, it's Aaron Downs at Torquay, assistant manager at Torquay United, mm-hmm. is that uh, is is one I'd be prepared to, to. He's been assistant manager to Johnson down there now for is it two or three seasons? 
Mm. Um, he loves Derbyshire. He loves Chesterfield. Again, Hungary's been a low, lower league player all his life. Won't be sat on a fortune financially. Wants to get on in the game. Understands the way Chesterfield fans think. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we can get an inside track. I doubt we will, but if we can get an inside track from the people that have applied. I know that Ronnie Moore always tells everybody's a, everybody is applied, doesn't he? And in the past, Kevin Davis has thrown his hat in the ring and said, I've applied for the job. Um, we don't, we haven't had any of that so far, uh, but it'll be, it'll be interesting guys. I'd like to close by um, one final question, which wasn't, you know, part of the plan, but it's, it's a burning question for all Spyrites. We've got a fantastic stadium. We've got a fantastic physical infrastructure We've got, despite, you know, being in a flat spin for the last five years, I haven't totted up how many games we've lost in the last five years, but what what a number of L's in that L column. You know, we've won very few games. We've been god-awful. Um, but yet the fans, the hardcore of the fans are still are still there. Um, is there hope for us? John? Oh, yes, to me first, David. Yes, there is hope. I think that the next... Um... The next appointment is almost the most important ever because we have done the similar thing over and over again, made the same mistakes over and over again. I have great, I have big concerns about the people that are going to set on the next manager, know nothing about football. So that is a bit of a worry. Yeah. Because obviously they're community people, they've come from, they understand business, but they don't understand, don't football. understand football. Fair point. So, uh, that, John, before you carry on, is uh, that's why I said when you've had so many good ex managers who still love club living area, that's where they become important, mate. When because you go to John Duncan, he's been around doing this job for Premier League now for years, you know, yeah. doing reports on referees. When you've been, been around so many people, there's so much knowledge. I mean, I've just spoke to John more and more. That's where, when if you know yourself running a business, we've all run businesses. If you're not good at something, then you get somebody who is. So before they recruit that manager, which, like you said, is the most important now time ever. This is the this is going to be the main one, where it's uh, you know. Uh, so to get somebody in, if you don't know what to do and you're not sure how to pick that manager, they've got to they've got to use somebody like John or not. And John Duncan just, sat in on the interview process. Why not? You yeah, definitely. And, and the other thing is, because they don't know anything about football, that Chesterfield's got to decide what its blueprint is in the way it wants to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the person that gets the job needs to make their way they want to play to fit that blueprint mm-hmm. and, ha- and convince the board the type of players he can get that will make us successful. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, everybody has a plan in all divisions about how they want to play. And then they look at two or three players in each position that can fit that mould and work it perfectly and most effectively. And we don't. So we have to develop that plan or somebody at Chesterfield needs to develop that plan. And then the manager needs to come in and say, this is my philosophy and this is how it would fit into yours. And and that that is our man. And that's why I've hung my hat on. It, it's, it's interesting, John, isn't it? Again, I know we're using the, an example of Liverpool, but if you listen to Jurgen Klopp, he doesn't just look at the qualities, the physical attributes, the talent of a player. Yes. He looks at the character of a ma- of the man. Oh, and oh, if the man has got a questionable character, he ain't playing for Liverpool. 
I mean, no. that's why the yeah. likes of Suarez would never play under Jurgen Klopp. You know, any player with a personality issue, any anybody that that wanted to challenge him, you know, uh, and that didn't toe the Liverpool philosophy line, is never going to get a shout. And and Klopp's laid that down, isn't? He? If you want to play to Liverpool, for Liverpool, you have to be fit, you have to be talented, but you have to be a good-hearted person. Uh, yeah, isn't it? You know that we've always. I'm sorry, John. Character mentality. Of 50% of the game. Everybody Mentality. thinks it's all about ability. Oh, lots of people do. But it's not. It's about application, desire, commitment. All those things you've got to have. And you can see that a lot of our players don't have those attributes. John, so, would, you have a, would you have a sports psychologist as a... As a, as a as not, not so much full-time because they don't need to be. But would you have someone constantly available as a sports psychologist for the team to get... To, to work on that mentality? Because... Clearly, for the last twenty-four months, this the team we've got now has a a, a fragile mentality, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't in any walk of life, you can't keep hitting people on top of the head and losing every week without it having a severe effect on your morale. Can you no. in any any walk of life? So, with with respect to some of our players, they must walk off there a bit crushed, and then the following week they go on and they're crushed again. They don't want to play next week, do they, John? Like you said, oh, they fall into that rut. They, don't, they want they play, but they, they, they like walking on, not looking forward to it. I mean, they, they, no, they, 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 they beat walk on, yeah. walking on. Yeah. Their, their body language, we've got some players whose body language horrifies me. Awful, yeah. You know, you can see that they're broken before they already go on. But the psychology side is big. Half of the bastards I did, I think not half, probably 30% of it was, was about mental performance and, and understanding what makes people tick and what makes them go with a positive mindset. Um, and we haven't got that. So there may be uh, some, there may be some um, value in what David says about a sports psychologist, but I also think we've never had that manager that thinks you're a type of player I need to kick up the backside and you're a type of player like Steve Morris who responded by Steve, get your arm around him. You're excellent. You're an excellent striker. Steve loved that. He wanted his ego bolstering. But on that basis, he performed. I think we've had managers that just do the kicking and don't do the arm up. I agree. Well, certainly the last few. I think that's a fine line, isn't it, between kicking the the backside and arm round. It's a fine line between kicking the backside and putting your arm around him, isn't it? It's a very fine line. You've got to know when to, Alan. And the thing is, like like John says, you've got to know what players need it and when. That's the real agenda. The psychology sometimes for me... A manager and good coaches, like a lot of these we've, that we've had, Danny Wilson, I'm not saying Danny because he's a nice guy, but a lot of people, they come in, they've got, they, they've got an ego. They, they, don't look, they don't treat a player like a human being and respect, put their arm around him. They want them players to turn out every Saturday and play for him. If you're going to do that, you've got to look at what makes him tick. Does he, is it one of them you've got to go in and, and, and throw, you know, and have him an out? Because some players like a row. So if he's a player that wants to fall out, then have it. And, and then them that want to have a cuddle and take them to one side, do yeah. it. That's what, that's what man management is. And in this division, man management is everything. everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've done a, you know, I've been a bit of research on that. Looked at a few players who've played for certain player managers I've mentioned tonight. Looked at, you know, did they progress? Did they feel that they were in a dynamic environment? And um, I spoke to, you know, a couple of lads at Hull that, that Curtis had at Gainsborough who are now in the Hull's first team, Regan Slater. Um, and they all wax lyrical about him. 
and say, just, you want to play for him. You want to run through a wall for him. And they're playing in the first division. Mm-hmm. And that were enough for me. What's think- interesting, John, is is you look at Sheridan. And this is, this is a really interesting one for you to watch. Yeah. Since the first time Sheridan managed our club, I've followed him around and I've I've watched his interviews for the various different clubs that he that he um, works with, and I've seen him go on a flat spin with a you know a losing a losing um, trend with the likes of Notts County. He went on a losing trend, as you know, with Wigan before he got the Swindon job. You know, it would have been difficult for him to keep the job at at, at Wigan, wouldn't it? But you listen to Sheridan. He he is one of the get the players arguing amongst themselves brigade. Yeah, um, shouts and screams at them, swears at them, belittles them. He oh. didn't do that when he came and rescued us just after Martin Allen. It was quite suppressed by his normal standards. He was quite praised with his being quite gentle. Interestingly, look what happened. We had a good winning run. We performed well. Then he goes back. He reverts to type because he can't help it, shouting and screaming. And you know, I think John Sheridan is now his on last chance to saloon at Swindon yeah. because yeah. I think his his style which is to shout at players and not to be constructive and not to know when to put your arm round and be insensitive. I don't think that works anymore. I think, you know, the modern day sports person needs to have respect for the person that's managing them and guiding them. And there's a time to shout. There's a time to nurture. There's a time for a one-to-one, you know, there's a time to get a group together. And it sounds to me like Curtis Weston's got that ability. I'll tell you something funny, Dave, that... uh... What else? On, on what you've just said, yeah, what else? Yeah, you've just, you just, something funny you said there. I can always remember some of what Billy Jones are watching the other week, you know, when they said about uh, getting one at players to cause argument. I don't know if you've ever seen it. One at Forest, they're playing Liverpool, funny enough, and they were getting, it were nil nil at half time. They got battered, and they said to Billy Jones, they got a big centre for it, I can't remember his name. And he said, look, you know, Vinny, go and start a fight with him. Go and start a fight with him. And he goes, what is a big blow? This were joking here. Go and start a fight with him. Go on. I mean it. He goes, I'm serious, Vinny. He goes, come, you know, we need to get him fired up. And he says, anyway, he went to him, Vinny. You, you're a big useless, you know, swearing. And they started squaring up, holding it up. Players were like, what's going off here? Splitting it up, all diving in. Calm down, Vinny. What's all well, it's in? He's not. And they were like that. They said, they went out, second half. And don't forget, this is Liverpool when they had a good side still. We're all drinking, everybody. He went out, battered Liverpool second half, and he scored winning goal, and he run and ragged. And that weren't Alan Court, were it, Chris? Um, I don't, I don't think it were Alan Court. Wait, Laurie Sanchez? It, no, no, it were a forward. They didn't have for very long, and he were like big and quite mobile, but a bit lazy. And I can't remember his name. I will, I'll remember it for next look time. It for it. Look it up for us, Chris. Yeah. Anyway, be. okay. Listen, guys, I'm, I'm really grateful for your time. Let's, uh, let's try and do this again, probably with John Duncan as a guest. In, uh, I think we've got Christmas coming up, so I don't want to. I don't want to wait a month. Perhaps in uh, two and a half weeks, three weeks' time, and then we'll switch to doing it every month. We will have other guests joining us. Sometimes you guys probably won't be able to to make every single one, but let's try and and, and have a special guest on each one. Any um, any final messages for Chesterfield fans that that you want to close with, Chris? Well, Chris, we've got to keep the faith, haven't we? But I do think what John Stevenson says and Alan. We have got to get this manager. However they do it, it's got to be right this time. And we've got to put a few, uh, get this scouting system in order. But keep the faith. We've got to keep, we've got a great stadium. And I think people are so sad with all what's gone off lately. They really want this football team back. So we, us and everybody else, we've got to get together and somehow we've got to get this team back. And that'd be great for all of us. Love that. Great. Thank John? I'm quietly confident they'll make the right decision. I think that better times are ahead. 
I think fans will be back in the new year post the vaccine being operational. Mm. And I think if we, if I'm really nervous about the decision, but if they make the right decision, we get the right character in there and we get a bit grounded and we do the right things. I think the only way is up and I'm, yeah, I feel more upbeat now than what I did three days ago. John, a man like you, obviously you've, you've got um, relationships with other professional clubs Yes. Do they preclude you? You know, could Chesterfield use your scouting? Um, is that is that something? Um, well, I've, I've agreed. I've just um, staying on with Sheffield United next season. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I tried to get in the stadium a few weeks ago to see Lawrence Maguire play on the back yeah. of Paul Fairclough's request, who's the yeah. England team manager, but they wouldn't let me in. Um, I was sort of okay with it until I found out that sort of our ex-chairman was there and people of that level. Um, so they said, you know, you need to get a request from the FA, but of course the FA wouldn't Well, ex-chairman Dave Allen? No, no, sorry, sorry, David. <laughs> um, Mike Warner. Ah, okay. Okay. So I couldn't get in um, and uh, they, they were okay about it. The, the lady who, ironically, it's the lady who was emailing me, was the one that's, um, uh, who, I, I can't remember, the, the one that's been... Um, uh, supposedly not registered cropper for the FA Cup. Yeah, it must be the secretary, I assume. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't get in. It was COVID related, and I suppose that was that was okay. But they, I think, I was a bit disturbed by the fact that there were other people in the stadium, and you just think that's where the little things like that you let you down. And then three or four days later, Jim Brown's emailing me about spending several thousand pounds in sponsorship. So. I think they need to look very, very carefully how they deal with local people, um, local businesses, and, you know, don't get too carried away with their egos, too carried away with owning a football club. I think they're only custodians and they need to think about it very carefully. So, you know, I'm very happy to help the club. Um, obviously, they've got Paul now. Um, and he... I assume he'll be he'll be doing that job going forward, David, and we'll we'll just see how things transpire post the new manager. Thanks for your contributions tonight, John. And then finally, Alan, a message from from you for fellow Spyrites, the voice of Chesterfield. Uh, so they say uh, we, we need we need to get this one right. It, it cannot yeah. be wrong. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it wouldn't be harm to have someone like John Duncan on the interviewing panel. No, knows the game in and inside and out. Or possibly some, you know, a couple of ex-footballers or a couple of ex-managers out there, possibly helping the interview channel. We need to get this right. It cannot be, it can't be wrong. And whoever comes in needs to be allowed time. Same as Chris said, if he comes and loses first three games, we can't sack him. Um, some of the managers have been and gone. Probably needed to go. I, I was shocked John went. I was shocked he still he, he stood down. But the, whoever comes in now. We need to give the manager time. Look at Alex Ferguson. He was on his way out. Mark Robbins scored one goal at Forest and the rest is say his history. United went on to win everything. You know, even Jürgen Klopp must have been, you know, took his time to get going. Whoever comes in needs time. They need to give him time. And he needs a lot of patience from the fans to let him get his own mark on. He needs to be no friends, no allies, no connection to the club. And yeah. from day one, he needs to come in Kick backside, and he needs to be strong. If you say you're not good enough, you're not playing. You're not good enough, you're not playing. 
And he's got to be a very, very strong character. Some of these players are now in a spiral, in a, in a negative spiral. And as John knows in football, a winning run is easy for confidence. A losing run is the diff- most difficult one to snap out of. Well, gentlemen, my closing thoughts are we're all spyrites and we've all been spyrites for many, many years. What would we do if we didn't have the club in our lives? I mean, some people quite rightly talk about the misery you get when you're watching a game and they're losing week in, week out, and it's not pleasant. But I'll be brutally honest with you guys. If we carried on losing, I'm going to still going to carry on supporting my club. It just leave too big a gap. Um, and the frustration, the frustration, I'll end up just weathering it. So the worst that could happen is for us to drop down to the league below and, and even oh, yeah. the one below that. None of us want that to happen. But if it did... I'm sure all of us would still be spy rights. After so many years, you don't give up on your club. But I'm like all of you. I'm optimistic. I do think we've got people in charge of the club now that are supporters that have got the best interests of the club at heart. Time will tell whether they've got the commercial acumen to run a football club. Very different running a football club to running a community project um, and yeah. a charity. Um, but they have got people like... Um, Mike, the chairman, what's his surname now? It's just Kate. Goodwin. Goodwin. Mark Goodwin. Mike Goodwin, who, who's got a pedigree as a chief exec um, within an organisation, albeit public sector, I believe, but he understands budgets, he understands financial controls. Uh, I believe he's got a good heart. And, you know, whatever people think about John Cruton, I know there's a division on him in terms of the fans. Some fans love him. Um, I remember the fact that he was instrumental as part of the core team, including the likes of Phil Tooley and Jim Brown that were there to rescue the club after what Darren Brown did. Um, And, you know, let's see what John can do. I don't think we can make a judgment on him as chief exec, you know, overnight. Let's give the guy an opportunity. We're all Chesterfield fans. I'd like to thank you and close by saying, guys, I think everyone will agree that listens to this. We've been constructive. Um, I'm sometimes accused of being overly positive and overly optimistic. Um, I I think that's unfair. I think when criticism is due, I'll give it, but I'll never swear and never be disrespectful. And and you three gentlemen tonight have joined me in that viewpoint. We can say what we think, we can be constructive, but we don't have to be rude uh, towards people. So I look forward to catching up with you all again, guys, in, in a couple of weeks' time. Chris, I'll leave you to organise uh, with John Duncan and make sure he understands how to use Zoom. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's done that. Plenty of that. All right, gents. Have a lovely evening. Uh, thanks, Alan. Thanks, David. Chris, lovely. Fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you thanks, very much. Thanks, guys. Indeed.